4: In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history.
5: Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members.
8: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com.
6: Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Now, P.W. Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. It's time to flashback to Wade and Jason reviewing Raw from five years ago this week. Today on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show Flashback, we go back five years to the April 26th, 2016 episode. Jason Powell joining me to analyze Raw from the night before. It was the final payback hype that was the post-WrestleMania pay-per-view five years ago. So we talked about that with live callers, including speculation on the Bullet Club, Finn Balor, and at this point, a potential brand split. Also, we talked about an NXT title change and more. So enjoy this flashback to our Raw Post Show Tuesday flagship with Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net from April 26th, 2016. Here we go. Welcome to the PW Torch livecast. I am Wade Keller, editor, publisher, founder of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, and also pwtorch.com and mmatorch.com and the corresponding free apps in the iPhone and Android app stores. Just search PW Torch and MMA Torch to download your free app and keep up on the world of pro wrestling and mixed martial arts every day, including uh, big news coverage, live event coverage, and everything in between. It is Tuesday, April 26th, and we are here to talk about Monday Night Raw from last night, and also payback coming up on a Sunday. And when I say we, I mean that includes Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. Let's uh, welcome Jason back to the program after being uh, gone for the last two weeks. It's been three weeks since we talked to you on the live cast portion of the program. Jason, welcome back.
7: Hey, good to be here, Wade. How you been?
5: Uh, good. We had a whole... Playoff series uh, with Minnesota Wild since we last talked. We had it was the, in what's that? Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and we had the uh, the biggest hire in the Timberwolves coaching history that has people uh, all optimistic. His yeah. press conference coming up in four hours. Got a Minnesota Vikings draft that we haven't talked about, but you know I never do anyway because it involves college football and I don't acknowledge its existence. And uh, the Minnesota Twins lost a lot of games, won a few games, and then went back to losing. Um, so a lot of sports going on, but from a wrestling standpoint, Jason, that's what we're going to talk about mostly. Uh, a uh, strange, uh, strange few weeks after WrestleMania. So I want to get into a, a lot of that also. We'll talk Minnesota sports later on probably um, when we want to bore All people. Right. I don't want to bore people yet, but just wanted to note as two Minnesota sports fans, how much has happened the last few weeks. I, uh, Jason, here's, here's my quick thought on Raw last night, and I want yours. I think that they did a decent job. Promoting start to finish payback and doing what they could to build up that lineup with a couple exceptions. There's a couple things I think they could have done a better job with. Um, But I really think payback Sunday and Raw on Monday is when we really see things kick up. I think that's when there's going to be some angles, uh, especially on the main event level, maybe another debut. And I think that's when things get heated up. And and that's the vibe that I got from this that they're sort of saying, all right, here's a show. You want to watch it, a lot's going to happen. But it it is payback and raw when things really heat up. Kind of the SummerSlam season starts almost.
7: Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it's been a much tighter show. They they continue to do a good job of uh, giving everything purpose that's on the show. We're not getting those social outcast segments, and so I'm optimistic that whatever they have in mind is good. I just hope. Their own, the, the McMahon family love of their own characters doesn't blind them because I do fear there, there's a minor fear I have with this whole bullet club thing, whatever it's going to be called. That there's, I, I, I wouldn't bet money on it, but it's still in the back of my mind that, oh my God, Vince announces Shane's in control and then Shane turns heel.
5: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, my money, because there's a history of it being correct, is on the most obvious thing happening Roman Reigns beats AJ. Finn Balor comes out, turns on AJ before, during, after the match, whatever. Um, starts a Balor club. We have this kind of continuation of a New Japan storyline in WWE. Roman Reigns then goes on to face his next opponent, presumably a heel. Can figure out who that is. Um, and then uh, and then Vince just gives power back to Steph or gives power to Shane and we move forward. I mean, I, I, it seems like that's the path of least resistance and the most consistent, but then you have to throw in what you just said. That the McMahons, to Vince McMahon and Stephanie and Hunter, it, it's primarily about the McMahons. As much as Roman Reigns is being pushed as a priority, Vince is always going to have his eye on protecting the McMahon name as it relates to the public image and how they're portrayed on television and being the center of things. And when you think that way, I still think that there's an outside chance of a disputed finish Sunday, of the perhaps, um, and this would be built you have the timing of when does vince announce who's in charge of raw does he do it before after the main event but you could have a controversial situation going on where shane and steph both think they're in control or vying for control trying to prove to vince that they should be in control and there's a controversy two referees come out stephanies and shanes they each count a pin Um, we don't know whether AJ won or Roman won there's a disputed finish and we have not an undisputed championship but now two championships one on Raw one on Smackdown Vince can't decide so he splits his vote and gives control of uh, one show to each of his children there's a lot of other things in between and around that but that's to me that's another scenario we've been talking about brand split about Raw versus WWE and that weird ad that went out and then got pulled um, where are you as far as the brand split possibility and Vince going with both Shane and Stephanie
7: you know I, I think it's possible I'm not seeing major signs of it right now but I, you know, I don't know that we would you know that it may just be as simple as whatever happens at payback with Vince which by the way is a nice hook for that show um, you know it's a wrestling yep. heavy show and this kind of amps up the soap opera style thing that they like to do And so I, I hope it's not happening I i I've kind of I laugh at the the idea that okay Shane's running Raw, who is running SmackDown? Does does anyone is SmackDown so just just such a throwaway show in WWE's mind that no one even wants to take credit for running SmackDown? Is that how this works? And I mean, going back to the WrestleMania stip, Shane didn't even want control of SmackDown. So it, whoever gets SmackDown is it a slap in the face? I mean, it's just I I don't want to see it because I don't think they have the manpower to do it. I don't think. Uh, I mean they're they're filling raw nicely now, but you saw all of a sudden you take away the crew and good luck. You know, you take away half the crew, good luck with that. So I I kind of want them just to leave it as is. SmackDown has been fine. It's been, a, you know, it's been a solid show and much like Raw, they're filling that time, but it's with the same cast of characters for the most part.
5: All right, we're going to take your calls on these topics and more. Give us a call 646-721-9828. That's 646-721-9828. If you are listening to us live at one oh nine Eastern, ten oh nine Pacific time, and for us here in the Central Time Zone, twelve oh nine, just past noon. Give us a call 646-721-9828. I want to go to a word from our sponsor at this point and then uh, come back and start taking your phone calls and also emails too. Email us at pwtorchlivecast at gmail.com if you are unable to call into the show, but you want to contribute a thought or a question. I launched the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter as a teenager in high school in the late 80s, and I've been covering professional wrestling ever since. It's been my full-time job since the day I graduated college. And I've followed every technology along the way and tried to be on the cutting edge, and one of them has been podcasting. We were doing podcasts before the word podcast was a word. They were just called audio shows for our subscribers. And a cool feature that we introduced last year are flashback Saturday night editions of the Wade Keller Hotline, where every Saturday night we post Wade Keller Hotlines, all in one file, a week's worth of shows from 10 and 15 years ago. That means uh, you can listen to what I was saying about the news about Raw, about SmackDown, about TNA, about WrestleMania hype, WrestleMania Fallout, controversies, firings, matches that almost happened, and why they didn't happen every weekend on Saturday night from 10 and 15 years ago. For instance, the April 6, 2006 Wade Keller Hotline had a ton of insider news on the Hulk Hogan-Steve Austin dynamic at the WWE Hall of Fame and the prospects of a Hogan versus Austin match and how close it came to happening at WrestleMania 22, what stood in its way, and what the prospects were of it happening in the future, why Steve Austin said what he said about Hulk Hogan at the Hall of Fame during his Bret Hart intro, and what the backstage interaction was between the two of them. That's just one example of some of the fascinating reporting that was going on, likely before you were listening to some of my free podcasts here. So a uh, Go VIP, it's one of many, many cool benefits that come with a VIP membership. Get details at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Let's go to our phone lines. Let's uh, go ahead and begin with area code 801, and then after that, we'll go to 813. 801, please state your name and where you're calling from.
9: This is Derek from Utah.
5: Hey, Derek. Thanks for calling. What have you got for us?
9: Uh, I agree a lot with uh, you and Jason regarding just the show in general. Caller the of the day
5: weeks. already, Jason. Caller of the day already. Yes. Okay. Sorry, Derek. Go ahead. I
9: know. I win. <laughs> you Anyways, win. Anyway, <laughs> just over the last three weeks, the show has been significantly better and a lot more hit than miss. And uh, just to echo Jason's comment, I don't see a lot of segments that are just worthless. Yep. But I'm kind of afraid because when you look at the ratings, and I think the crowd response last night is even though the show, in my perception or how I watch it, has been significantly better, they're not seeing an uptick in the measurables, or even in the, you know some some data like how the crowd reacts to the guys that they're trying to push. So do you see that because of these two things that they might go back to the time-tested formula that many people, including myself, have took exception to for the last two-plus years?
5: Uh, go ahead, Jason. I,
7: if you're talking John Cena, if you're talking McMahon family all over the show, I mean, Cena's returning, we know that. Yeah, he's going to be a big part of what they do. I, I wonder if right now the fact they're pushing this as a new era – is kind of not just a message for the fans, but a message for anyone and you know, the corporate side who's worried about the, the numbers right now, that this takes time, because it does. I, I don't see this as much of a new era as they're pushing it. I mean, a lot of the guys that are on the show now were on the show before WrestleMania, I, I, it's not that much has changed, other than Roman is maybe the long-running champion. We'll see. Uh, Shane is back. It sounds nice. They, they brought up some wrestlers from NXT, just like they have every other year. It feels like a new era creatively. I'll give them that as far as just uh, being more structured and 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 more disciplined so far. But I, I I think that's the message that they need to not only send but also adhere to internally is that if you're going to be featuring Sami Zayn and and other you know just guys that are fairly new to the company, you can't expect overnight success. You need to be disciplined, and they'll get a boost when they get Cena and Rollins and others back. And so I, I think they're okay right now. There's always that lull after WrestleMania, and as long as they don't hit the panic button, they're going to be okay.
5: Um, uh, Derek, what's the number one thing that you'd like to see them stick with or do uh, over the next month or two that, uh, that, that, that you think would improve the show? And then also, what's the one thing you're fearful that they're going to bring back uh, most of all? Like, what's number one on your list?
9: Well, I like the consistency in the storylines. Uh, like the, I don't like to call it the Bullet Club because that's not what they're calling it. But the Anderson, a Gallows storyline where it mixes AJ Styles week to week, episodically speaking, yep. it progresses and it doesn't go on a detour where you're like, well, why did they do that? Because they had nothing left. They had nothing for this week. So just the consistency and being a wrestling fan, sometimes you just want something simple enough where you can follow it step-by-step. Step. And I see that, and it, it's logical. Uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, you could say the same thing. It's a logical build towards the conclusion. And if they stay with that format and focus, give a little bit for every single pairing every single week and climax at the pay-per-view, that's what I like. So that's what I want to see. Um, what, I'm a, what I'm fearful of is some of the guys who they're starting to give uh, a push, AJ Styles specifically, you hear his reaction that he got last night, was not good, was not great. In fact, it was, it was quiet. He was wrestling probably the biggest heel in the company, and I just don't want them to take circumstantial data such as that and then draw guys who have the potential to be upper mid-carders, if not top-carders, and draw them down to the lower mid-card where almost everybody who's been in there for any duration seems to fall.
5: Good good, uh, good comments, uh, Derek. Appreciate the call. Um, uh, Jason, what, what is working and not working with AJ?
7: Well, I, I would say the thing that's not working is, well, a couple of things. Number one, the show's three hours, and we, we talk about it all the time, but it, it's true. I mean, it's just, it's too long watching last night. I enjoy what I see, and I'm still, I found myself looking at the clock, and uh, Roman Reigns being in the main event is something that I think they need to consider their approach on. If they, they don't have many fresh opponents for him that they're willing to give him on television. And, you know, Shane McMahon is, is talking about how things have changed, and this is a new era. All these fresh matchups, and last week we had Dean Ambrose and, and Kevin Owens in a main event that we've seen many, many times before. And this week we had Roman facing a League of Nations member. Um, it, with Roman, I, I, they, they limit him. Yet, if you're going to have him in the main event segment, Wade, I mentioned this in the Raw Hit List today, I might even consider the idea of just not having him on the show until then. So it feels like it's a little bit more of an event, that you're waiting around to see how that crowd reacts to Roman Reigns, more so than you're waiting around to watch Roman Reigns do the same moves over and over again that Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of bored by.
5: I I, I want to go to the AJ um, situation, because one thing that I think has hurt AJ, and I don't want to pull the panic... Uh, court on him yet uh, by any means but but I think they missed a chapter for the fans who didn't know him weren't invested in him and I know those who saw him in New Japan and saw the good parts of what he did in TNA and ROH for that matter felt like all right out of the gate push him hard and treat him like a star and and I agree with that but I think there's a way to accomplish all of that but also give the fans who hadn't really bonded with AJ yet the way that they had tons of time to bond with develop a bond with Daniel Bryan for instance and that is have AJ come in and beat Adam Rose I mean he he had the mismatch but you know beat Adam Rose beat Heath Slater um beat I'm trying to think of you know low level lower level heels but um have a chance to work his way up over the course of four five six weeks cut some earnest promos um have him talk about how I've I've made it to the top everywhere I've been. I want to start um you know at the bottom with no disrespect to Adam Rose, but I want to start at the bottom and prove myself here. Um I don't want anything handed to me and go out and show off his move set and sh- and and connect with the fans that way and build up towards getting um uh, being at the level of feuding with a uh, Chris Jericho, much less a uh, Roman Reigns. And I sort of feel that chapter that was missing took some of the fans out of it, and they sort of felt like, all right, I, I've walked in the room, and there's somebody telling a great story, but I missed the first half of it. Everybody's laughing at the jokes, but I didn't, get, I didn't hear the preamble. I don't know what led up to this, so I feel a little left out. And so I don't think they gave AJ a chance to shine, uh, develop what his personality was. I think they told their fan base that isn't familiar with AJ's work, in New Japan and TNA, which, by the way, is the majority. I think the majority heard of him, but I don't think the majority had bonded with him. I don't think the majority had seen him uh, a, a lot, if at all. You know, I mean, it's just the, looking at the numbers that TNA drew, that ROH drew, and the uh, accessibility in New Japan. Yes, there's YouTube, and people can look them up, and many did, but a lot of people did. not So I think that's hurting him a little bit, and I, I kind of feel like, not that I wanted his push to take 18 months to get to this stage, but Jason, it... it f- I think one of the reasons he's not getting a big pop is there's a part of the fan base that's just sort of feeling like he got to be the chosen one a bit. He got pushed right out of the gate. And I know the fans of, there's some people listening going, wait a second, he paid his dues already. I treat him like a star out of the gate. I just think having three, four weeks more, or maybe six weeks of him showing fans and earning that bond and talking with them would have been a little position of a little bit better uh, going into a world title
10: match.
7: I see. I, I don't think they did either way effectively. I, I think you can bring him in really strong and have him beat meaningful people, which I don't think they did. He traded wins and losses with Jericho. He, he has really long competitive matches with the freaking Miz. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it, it it just hasn't. I mean, last night he's. Sheamus, yeah, former champion, if you want to look at it that way, but having a long, competitive match with Sheamus at this point, heading into your title match, doesn't mean anything. SmackDown, another long, competitive match with The Miz. I think you either take the approach you're saying, you bring him in slowly, or you, you make a splash. I mean, this is a guy who lost at WrestleMania to Chris Jericho. He's won a four-way to earn this title shot. He beat Sami Zayn, who's positioned as an underdog. I, I, I wanted to see Chris, or I wanted to see AJ Styles dominating people heading into this match. I didn't want to see him having long competitive matches. I I, I like The Miz. I think they should do more with Miz but not at the expense of AJ Styles on a month where he's challenging for the title. So I, if he's going to work Miz, well, I'm sorry, but Miz gets plowed through. And it, same with Sheamus. Make this guy feel like a sensation. It, it's a good thing they have that Anderson and Gallows hook because Styles against Roman Reigns wouldn't be enough for the casual fan. I, it's uh, He's just not positioned as, as strongly enough to make you feel like this guy's a real threat to take the title without some sort of interference.
5: I would have even flown in uh, to TV taping some of the guys they trust in NXT to just... Job to AJ. Uh, Miz was absolutely the wrong opponent. I don't think people think of Miz as a large wrestler. He's an average size wrestler in WWE main event history and he was bigger than AJ by a lot and style wise he's not the right guy to be selling for AJ or AJ showing off what he can do I would have brought in a few uh essentially the guys who job on TV on NXT for a few weeks so AJ could show off his move set and then put a video yeah. together and have the announcers talk about what's gonna ha- this is a this is a qu- the quote that I want to hear announcers say more often is what will it be like when this wrestler faces tougher competition I think that should be part of almost every wrestler's push. That's part of the journey that they're on. I disagree with having Gallows and Anderson wrestle the Usos last night. I think that I the, it should have been Gallows and Anderson squashing a tag team from NXT Developmental and, or, or the, the, uh, uh, the out- Social Outcast or something like that. And they should be ta- the announcer should be saying, what's going to happen, though? Yeah, they look tough but, you know, Saxton can say this, but what's going to happen when they face somebody with the, with the history of the Usos? And instead, they just threw it out there. They defined down, they diminished what that match meant by just throwing it on TV as a means to get to another angle. Um, so, I, I just, and, and by the way, Gallows and Anderson could have beat down their jobbers after the bell, the Usos could have run out, uh, Anderson and Gallows could have gotten in uh, advantage, a cheap advantage, and then they could have done the same angle anyway. You know, so you can't do an angle without giving away that match. So, yeah, I just I want I want there to be be that build up to things. All right. Um Jason, I want you to tell people about your website and your membership and how they can sign up and if they do sign up, what comes with all that.
6: Yeah, absolutely. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Did you know that through Patreon, you can get this show with the ads and plugs removed for just $4.99 a month and enjoy our podcasts on whatever podcast app you're using or directly through the Patreon app. Check out full details at patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash PW Torch VIP. Wipe away the ads to the Wade Keller podcast, post shows, and PW Torch daily casts. That's 14 pro wrestling podcasts per week with the ads and plugs removed for just $4.99 per month. Support us and enjoy a streamlined listening experience.
2: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See
5: website for details. All right, very good. Let's get back to the phone lines then and go, as promised, to area code 813 next. And then after that, uh, 718. 813, please state your name and where you're calling from.
1: Hey, Wade, Jason. This is Jay from Tampa.
5: Hey, Jay. What do you got for Jason and me?
1: Hey there. I have two things. Uh, One is, is it me or did Rusev look really, really good as far as strong and dominant? I I really think that they're uh, wasting that character, man. He should be the the number one heel. He has everything. I don't know if it's because, I mean, he just looked good. He tweaked his his get-up, his attire and things like that. So I would like to see them elevate him back. He could be a real nasty heel. Uh, But even within that said, uh, the lack of heels... Uh, my question is, uh, do you guys see that there may be a need or where it can help for maybe more managers? It seems like the two the two people that have to, with the exception of Jericho, that has the most natural heat is Charlotte, which has Ric Flair, and then Miz now with Maurice, but Miz was fine by herself. But it just seems like with, I don't know if they just need new managers or maybe they can make. Different use of some of the producers or agents in the back. Like, why why can't Finley, you know, manage Sheamus as an example or something like that? Are we missing managers or is that day passed? And that's all I got.
5: All right, thanks, Jay. Um, uh, Jason, first of all, Rusev. Yeah, I I commented on uh, the VIP Weight Color Hotline last night, reviewing Raw, uh, that it was like, who would have thought eighteen months ago that you'd see Rusev against Sami Zayn, and Rusev was the throw-in. The oh yeah, by the way. Sammy's wrestling Rusev. Um, when you think about where he was a year and a half ago compared to now, uh, that said, I thought Rusev looked good. Uh, Lana at his side, throwing the high heels again. Uh, I think Rusev could be rehabbed back into a, a serious heel act. Alberto Del Rio commenting in a recent interview that the League of Nations will not be for long. Uh, don 't know if he was speaking out of turn or not uh, wouldn 't be unusual for him um, but no. you know basically admitting ah, nah, you know in so many words I ah, wasn 't really into it you know and you could tell from his body language from the beginning he wasn 't into it i mean he would just you know wander he was like you know, it's like there's a, a litter of kittens and they all kind of are, are kind of tumbling around and playing, and then there's that one that just strays off and is distracted by a dot on the wall. That was still Rio during every nation, League of Nations segment. He's just, just looking in the crowd and straying off and standing on the second rope while the others were kind of doing their thing and interacting with each other. So, I, I don't know if it's good or bad. I mean, the League of Nations is what it is. It really never was what it could have been because they never really had that solidarity and, and established a sense of purpose, but I, I, it's almost irrelevant to whether Rusev can make a comeback or Del Rio can become a serious heel. Um, I, I guess speak to both of them. Um, our caller brought up, Jay brought up Rusev, and I bring up Del Rio, Jason.
7: Yeah, you know, with Del Rio, I I, I think I'd give up on the heel routine. I, I think they've done enough damage there now where he, I think he needs to turn. They're always looking for that next Hispanic breakout baby face. And He's shown everywhere other than WWE that he can be that. You know, he he's shown good, uh, really good. Uh, he he delivered good mic work. He, he clicks a, both Ring of Honor, AAA. You know, basically everywhere he went when he was out of WWE, it really worked for me when I saw him. And for some reason, it just hasn't in WWE. Rusev is is so frustrating. I mean, it's not even a year and a half ago. I mean, it was a year ago. This month that he was getting, or I guess maybe last month, depending on where WrestleMania fell, but he had the, one of the greatest entrances in WrestleMania history, loses the match to John Cena, becomes a comedy figure, joins League of Nations eventually, Lana and all, whatever drama's going on behind the scenes with her. Um, it was nice to see them back together. I don't like that she looks like she should be on some Total Housewife show <laughs> uh, with her attire last night. I I, I just say... Go back to the basics with these two. Rusev looks fine. Get Lana back in the business suit. Go back to basics with these two because it worked. It was effective. Then the characters can evolve from there. But um, I'm hoping the fact that we didn't see any interaction with the League of Nations members last night, Wade, means that uh, it's over. They're they're finally moving on. And, and, And as for his manager question, yes, God, yes, bring back managers.
5: Yeah, and and I like the idea of of not I don't I don't like the idea necessarily of ex wrestlers who are who still have the musculature and and look tough like Finlay. I want the weasel. Right. I want the I want you know Bobby the Weasel, Bobby the Brainhead. I want uh, uh, Skandar Akbar, gruff but kind of pudgy. You know, looks like he'd more be um, you know an NHL coach than an M- than an NHL player. You know the 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 guy who oh, just
7: wait. yeah. I was going to say, growing up watching some of these guys, I didn't know they were former wrestlers. You know, when I was at a certain age, and of course you learn that they were. But there were certain guys that you just thought, well, they've always been this. You know, they're just managers. I don't know what their background is, but I never thought they were wrestlers.
5: Well, right, and, and I think like with Bobby Heenan, he was a wrestler who was meant to be a manager. You know, there, there's there's managers who, yeah, they wrestled, but really their forte, the 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 lane that they were best fit for, best suited for, was being a manager. And I think that. WWE should look for that. You know it Rockstar Spud and TNA did his whole, you know, wrestled and won the reality show, and he has been a wrestler, but, you know, part of, you know, because of his diminutive size and his talking ability, he sort of might be best, his best fit might be as a spokesperson who's an agitator and takes bumps. That kind of thing. Um, and He would some- be tremendous. Well, who would? Uh,
7: Spot, he oh, would be tremendous. At that.
5: Yeah, I, I agree. So having some smaller managers who, you know, I mean, that's Jim Cornette was a guy. Who just he wasn't super short, but he he was this. He he was mom a mama's boy, not an athlete, but he had money and he had influence. And and I, I just think WWE has part of it is philosophically Vince grew up with. Old managers, Mr. Fuji, Freddie Blassie, uh, uh, Lou Albano, they'd been around forever, and they were just kept on out of loyalty, Vince Sr. having loyalty for them. They didn't manage at ringside they would come to the ring with a wrestler and they go back they didn't they weren't it was it's so strange given that what i saw with managers you know growing up that the WWF had this totally different policy that they didn't stay at ringside and interfere on behalf of their wrestler or scout or coach or yell right um and so vince mcmahon didn't really get raised in in, in experience nor did shane and stephanie uh or triple h for that matter they didn't get to see the great managers and and the great value and role that they can play. So I think that plays into it. But I also think what plays into it is that managers, to be in the club, to be in the family, the institution that is WWE, you have to earn it. They want you to take your bumps. They want you to be uh, hazed a bit, to, to show that you're tough, to be injured, to, to show grit. Putting somebody on the road... And having them be respected enough. I mean, I remember being backstage at, I think it was in Chicago for a WCW uh, event. And it was when Paul Heyman was managing the Simone SWAT team. And I wanted to, I, I was shooting photos for The Torch and for uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And I, and I wanted to get a picture of Paulie with the Simone SWAT team, a post photo backstage. I was getting posed pictures with everybody. And Paul was like, um, okay, they're kind of moody. Let me go see if I can talk him into it like he didn 't have total control of them because he was this young, brash, obnoxious, controversial guy, yes, he was talented, he belonged on the air, but in their eyes he wasn 't their boss, and he hadn 't earned their respect or you know whatever so um, there, there wasn 't the great chemistry with with them that there were with others, and I think WWE looks at managers and goes, "Who are you to be on the road with us? Who are you to get TV time? What have you done to earn?" A living in this business in the biggest company and i don't know that there's this real path to finding them and then having them earn their keep in a way where wwe feels like yeah they belong on the road with us so part of it is that kind of fraternity sorority have you earned it thing and they just don't have a path to find good managers who are those small obnoxious guys so i think a lot of things work against it but I'd like to see it, too. I think that having a manager with a stable of wrestlers talk for them, be obnoxious, well, you know, the, the, you know a, a Skandarak bar type or whomever who's standing there being gruff and obnoxious, and you want to see him lose, and then he's got Rusev and Sheamus and Barrett and, and Del Rio standing behind him with their arms crossed, looking tough, that works better than having the four heels try to carry promos with scripted lines, establishing themselves. So, yeah, I mean, I'm an advocate like you, Jason, for that.
7: Yeah, and Stephanie and Shane don't have any excuse. I mean, they got to see Bobby Heenan. They saw the Heenan family and, and the WWF, and and they saw yeah. Jimmy Hart, and the you know, the list goes on. It, they Good may point, not have yeah. seen, you know, the, some of the, the the territory glory days of, of managers. But I, I thought we were going to start to see some of that at NXT. That might be the one old school thing that's still missing. You know, yeah, they had Sylvester LaForte playing that role for a little bit, and it was like I didn't really get into the act. But I was still hopeful. It's like, oh, maybe we'll see some managers. So that might be a good question to uh, bring up the next time Hunter has one of those conference calls.
5: That's actually a really good good topic to bring up.
6: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
7: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.
3: Matt Taven, the real Ring of Honor world champion. And you know how I show everyone that I get it? By tuning in to the Podcast of Honor with Tyler and my personal main man, Ryan.
10: This is Ryan. And I'm Tyler. And we are the hosts of the wildly popular PW Torch VIP show, Podcast of Honor.
11: Our show covers everything Ring of Honor wrestling, from analysis, show recaps, and wide-ranging interviews with the stars of Ring of Honor.
10: Download the Podcast of Honor
3: each week and support the best podcast on the P.W. Torch VIP Network.
5: All right, you're listening to the P.W. Torch Livecast on Tuesday, April 26, 2016. We are here, by the way, every single day. East Coast Cast available at eastcoastcast.com. Check out that podcast if you haven't yet, part of the Torch podcast family let's go back to the phone lines now and go to uh, 718 next 718 please state your name and where you're calling from
1: Romeo from New York City
5: hey Romeo thanks for calling and thanks for being a VIP member what do you got for us
1: two quick questions Uh, number one where do you see John
9: Cena fitting in storyline wise when he returns on Memorial Day and number two I know uh, WWE doesn't expect most of their audience to follow New Japan pro wrestling but how dumb is AJ gonna look if he gets turned on by the same guys twice in five months. That's <laughs> the my call, guys. All
5: right, thanks. I don't think WWE's too worried about the the, the slice of fans who see that happening twice. I, I I enjoyed you know there's multiple ways to read into it, but the comment of uh, Anderson, was it Anderson or Gallows who said AJ? Let's this was last week on Raw. Hey, let, let's go uh, let's go have some private time. Let's go get some drinks or something and talk about that last night. It's kind of hazy. I, some of the details I don't remember. I think that was a tip of the hat, but. Um, yeah, your, your thoughts on uh, Cena's return and the New Japan storyline, what they're acknowledging and what they're not.
7: Well, I, I thought there was an easy way to tie up that loose end if there—if it needed to be tied up, which is just, you know, AJ makes a comment that, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't hold the garage; He knows the rules. You know, and, and basically, like, you leave the club that 's what happens, and uh, you know, so he knew it was coming and and, uh, and it may not make sense in that i 'm sure the character you know he was surprised when it actually did. he was playing it that way, but I, I think there was a way to tie it up i it doesn 't i don 't know i mean it's they 're telling part of a story from another promotion. I just wish they 'd be do a little bit better job of explaining who these guys are and, and I wish they would have done a much better job of making Anderson and gallows look strong last night i, I couldn 't believe how much they gave up on night one to. Yep. The Usos number one, and then to have the big man of all people, Gallows, bumping around for Roman Reigns in the main event, I just sat there and shook my head.
5: I thought the same thing, um, seeing Luke Gallows. Um, uh, yeah, just uh, the the way that they sold for the Superman punch, too. I, I was disappointed in that and uh, thought they were selling too much too early. I mean, I just think, again, they rushed into it. They're trying to fill three hours of TV time. And they want to have competitive matches and not, you know, essentially squash matches. But this is a perfect example of uh, Anderson and Gallows, I think, being better suited to just be destroying people with the announcers wondering, what will it be like? What will it be like? Uh, John Cena returning, Jason. Uh, does does he come back if Roman Reigns is still champion and immediately throws hat into that? Or does he end up in an angle with a heel that kind of takes him off course of trying to get the world title back? Where does he fit in? I, I like the idea that the landscape has changed a decent amount Since he was gone, um, in that there's some new talent roaming around. Like, I mean, I think there's a possibility. I I think it would be too soon, but what they're doing with Baron Corbin is what I've been touting for AJ and Gallows and Anderson and Heck Enzo and Cass. I wish had done this. They went right into the tournament, I guess. Um, But winning some squash matches, same with Apollo Cruz. They're doing the right thing with both of them. They're letting you see their signature moves, learn about their personalities, and imagine. How, you know what will it be like when they face stiffer competition could could they put baron corbin against john cena right away could that be a storyline or is that way too soon jason
7: I, I think it's too soon just based on their history i there i mean yeah I, it's too soon i was gonna say there might be a way to do it where corbin doesn't lose too much but i just have no faith in them doing it and even then i, I want corbin winning for a while yeah. I, I want him to look really dominant I don't know what they do with him. It's going to be interesting. I mean, the the pie in the sky one is that my God, he's he's the third man with Anderson and Gallows, but I don't think that's happening. And so, I I'm not sure. I mean, it's yeah, there's a lot of fresh faces, but most of them are baby faces, you know, other than Corbin, yeah. and he he's worked with Sammy, albeit just once. Um, he he's worked with Kevin Owens. Um, so I, I'm not sure where exactly he fits in. I'm guessing. He does throw his name in the hat for the title match, but then he gets distracted. Uh, it could be, I'm guessing the first guy he works with is Del Rio. We may start hearing Del Rio squawk again about you know how he was the one who put him out of action again. They may go back down that road. It's not very exciting, but it won't yeah. last long, hopefully. Uh, but I, beyond that, I mean, it, you would think like, yeah, there are, there are all these new people, but I can't, other than Corbin Wade, I can't think of anyone that just really jumps out as, that would be a great match for Cena, because he's he's worked with so many of them already.
5: I'm intrigued. Uh, baby faces. babyfaces. No, I agree. I mean, uh, they they just don't have a lot of heels that I think people are super excited about seeing against the current crop of top babyfaces. So I, I'm intrigued by it. Um, I, again, as I said at the top of the show, I think Payback and the, and Raw next week will uh, set the wheels in motion on a number of things that... that it will become clear and add some some depth to things, and then you have Cena coming back after Memorial or uh, uh, at the end of May, and that adds a whole new main enter. You've got Seth Rollins waiting in the wings, Randy Orton um, right around that same time, maybe a little later. It, it's going to be interesting how this all starts fitting in together. But when you go down that list and look at the roster they they need some heels they need kevin sullivan to come in as booker jason co-book because kevin always was like it's all about the heels it's all about the heels um and and that's just just minus the cartoonish heels i know oh yeah yes but somebody thinking about heels uh, some evidence that yeah. they they know how to build up heels would would be good all right um let's go to uh, vip member dot net member joe in virginia on the vip express lane joe thanks for uh holding what have you got for us today
11: Oh, hey guys! Uh, it's good to talk to you again. Um, I my question kind of got covered by your last caller. I was going to talk about the Bullet Club in uh, WWE. <clears throat> um, I, I was just wondering, one thing—you know—what's the point of of pulling a storyline over from New Japan? Because um, maybe two percent of your audience is is familiar with that. It seems unnecessarily lazy, and it kind of. It's like they painted themselves in into some corners i i, I just don 't see the the upside other than the maybe the merchandising aspect is that Is that really what they were going for here um, and I have another question after that too
5: sure no uh, Jason i mean. I'm, I'm. You know, we talk about new era WWE and what that means. Part of what's intriguing is the new part of the new era is like this acknowledging of New Japan as openly as they are. And I know there's a history of WCW working with New Japan, acknowledging them. It's a company that has a history of being acknowledged. They're not a threat to WWE. Uh, so I think WWE doesn't feel like, well, we're giving attention to a group that has aspirations to come to the United States in a big way. I think some H- New Japan Ardent fans a year or two ago were hopeful that they could make some inroads. But even with Access TV and Jim Ross, I, Jim Ross calling it, I just don't think that they feel threatened by it. And I think what they're trying to do is get the Ardent fans who who have a knowledge base outside of the WWE universe to respect that this brand this company is for them too and get them on board as network subscribers build some goodwill we're we're not going to be like that old WWF that pretends nothing else exists outside of our sphere unless we own it or control it like you know when they acknowledged ECW once they own you know owned the rights and and could make some money with it so but but a- acknowledging the history of AJ and Gallows and Anderson in Japan whether they mention New Japan by name or not, I think can work fine with the storyline. I don't see it as lazy. I think it just says, hey, here's some guys who have a reputation overseas. There's a history with them, and we're acknowledging it. And I mean, as a fan, I like that growing up watching wrestling when there was this aura of, oh, there's a history here between these two. And I'm kind of picking up on something that lived elsewhere before my eyes saw it. Uh, Jason, your thoughts on how they're handling that?
7: Yeah, it's it's refreshing because you know conversely, the old WWF really didn't acknowledge anything. You know, somebody could have this storied history, and you know, I guess they did with Ric Flair was one of the rare exceptions. But guys would come in long before Flair, and it was like they were just new characters in the WWF. And I I, it always it always irked me, and and even in modern times, yeah, they've gotten better, but it still. I remember when they would. It wasn't just wrestling. It was like they you could tell there was some apprehension when it came to mentioning UFC for a while even. Yeah. And so WWE has always tried to kind of create its own universe, if you will. And so I, I like that they're venturing out a little bit. I, I don't think it's going to be a massive game. They've mentioned Ring of Honor here and there. We'll see how much they do that now that uh, they've... They've they decided to uh, hitch their wagon with the ball, but um, I, I don't think they're going to mention TNA anytime soon. they even had some fun with that on one of the Edge and Christian shows. Um, that seems to be the only one that uh, of the real players they won't mention. I, I think it just, it, like you said, the re- they connect with the Arden fans, and it also helps them tell the story of these guys, not to mention Shinsuke Nakamura. And uh, I, I, I'm guessing this is probably a Hunter-influence thing. I can't see Vince and Kevin Dunn
5: suddenly have an, a, a change of heart on this. Well, to have a change of heart, you'd have to have knowledge of that history to (laughs) order, you know, to instruct people to acknowledge. So that plays into
10: it too.
0: Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit pwtorchdailycast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, pwtorchdailycast.com.
5: Uh, Joe, uh, let's go back to you for any follow up and question number two.
11: Oh, no, that makes sense to me. I guess it's just, it's kind of jarring for them to uh, acknowledge a storyline from another company, at least to me. So, yeah. I mean, if, if that's the way they're going to go in the future, I, I'm, hey, I'm for that. That's great. But um, my other slash comment is um, I think um, Enzo Amore and he and Cass, um, I think that they're, uh, they have a chance to really be a crossover hit. I, I know that there was jokes about, you know, uh, the call-ups were not the greatest, that the Triple H kind of tricked Vince McMahon into calling up these <laughs> more of the mid-card guys from NXT, but these guys are, like, I, there's something about them. There's, especially Enzo, you know, like I show my friends that don't like wrestling, I show them some of the, the promos these guys cut, and, and they all like it. They think it's funny. Uh, uh, and, you know, the crowd seems to be into them. Um, I think they have a chance to to be bigger than than people are are uh, you know projecting. Um, they uh, and and they're they're not bad in the ring at all. I compare them to the uh, New Age Outlaws, but they're much better in the ring than those guys were. They're better on the mic than those guys were. So I just wondered what you guys thought. Is there like a is, is there a chance that they that maybe we're sleeping on them a little bit?
5: Uh, uh, great question, Joel. I don't even think I would qualify as being sleeping on them, Jason. I think I, I've been touting. The idea, the, the, what I think is a fact, that they've gotten over. I thought that, um, you know, scripted and orchestrated or not, there's very few people who can hold their own on the microphone with with Bully Ray. Uh, you know, I put Enzo over for, like, who can hold their own on the mic with Bully, and someone said, well, it's all scripted, Way that shows how much you know. But part of, you know, not anybody can stand out there and deliver lines that they're ordered to deliver. Enzo... Has obviously developed his own his own act in NXT, um, or developed it with help of people in NXT. Brought it to WWE. He's doing something similar, but there is a versatility to his mic work where people are like, "Yeah, I want that guy in an argument. I, I want him representing me because he's funny and he's quick on his feet, and there's a, an authority and a in a uh, there's a, a wackiness that doesn't fo- that doesn't go all zany." Um, and there's an edge to his character, a little bit of of flyboy rock-a-rock from ECW. Uh, I think I took a year away from making that analogy, so I'm going to bring it back now after overusing it. But um, you know, yeah. public, et- public Enemy and ECW had that that zany or er, that that kind of wackiness and humor, but it could go dark, and it would. And there was a moment they'd be, they'd be joking around and laughing with each other, and boom, there'd be this pivot, and they'd look in the camera and be like, "Whoa, these guys are badass." And and Enzo has that, and I think that keeps him from just being a low-level social outcast-type actor, you know, co- like comedy, and then Cass obviously has a size. I like him um, a lot, and I think that there's uh, an Enzo and Cass against Anderson and Gallo's feud down the line um, has some real potential, too. So, I, yeah, Enzo and Cass, I think, are working, Jason. Your, your thoughts?
7: Yeah, they're clicking thus far. They, they really are. Um, it's... It, longevity is 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 the question here, and because I do have not as much of a concern. I just remember with the Outlaws, very excited when they showed up, and, and Road Dog seemed so witty, and then Road Dogg just fell into doing the same lines over and over again. He might throw in one extra one here and there, but it was right. just there was no long term creativity there. I don't think that's going to be an issue for these guys unless they're saddled by management. If suddenly it's like, well, this is clicking, don't change it, just keep saying the same thing over and over again. That's when I worry, or if they start becoming too scripted, or what happens if they split these guys? You know Vince, you know he's just ruling, looking at the size of big Cass. and what happens to Enzo then? Um, I don't wade. How great of, I, I i don't I wouldn't make this move right now, but how great of a manager could that guy be? He does have that dark side to him that I think could work at some point if like the singles run just isn't clicking. I, th- I think there could be money in him somehow.
5: Oh, I totally agree. I think that long-term Enzo could be a manager, but I think he's good enough in the ring and, and good enough in the chemistry with Cass. Obviously, we're a long ways off from that, but years down the line, uh, whether it's two years or six years, I think Enzo as a manager is somebody who would have fit that description of what I said earlier of paying some dues and getting to the point where, okay, this guy has more value being on the microphone representing others and talking people into buying tickets to see those wrestlers lose. So uh, good, good topics from Joe. All right, we're back and taking more calls. Uh, Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net is back with me this week. And uh, let's uh, move next to area code uh, 314. 314, please state your name and where you're calling from.
6: Hello, Wade and Jason,
5: this is Damien calling from some solutions. Hey, Damien. Uh, we can't. Damien. We can't hear you very well. Can you, Damian, get, off you well. get off speaker? sure. Um, how, how's that? Yeah, much better. Thanks. Yeah, much better. Thanks. All
6: right. I do have a question uh, regarding Roman Reigns. Now, before the match that he had with Alberto Del Rio, of course, they ran the package about him going to do the Make a Wish thing, and you know, with with the kid. I feel like. And I was listening to what uh, Caldwell had to say about this on the Raw postgame show last night about how he felt it was being exploitative to try to trot that out there in order to get Reigns to get over. But, of course, the fans weren't buying that because he was still heavily booed. <laughs> so do you, do you agree with what he said as it relates to that? Or do you really just think that the day he was trying to do that in order to really get Reigns over? What do you guys think about that? I have a second question.
5: Sure. No, good topic. Um, I I didn't see it as exploitative, but I saw it as kind of heavy-handed. It it came across for a guy who's so heavily booed, they could have easily had Roman um, shake hands with a kid at ringside. It'd be clear it was something having to do with Make-A-Wish or, you know, some special guest without being so overt at kind of hitting people over the head with a sledgehammer going, see what a cool, nice guy this is. That said, marketing-wise, it's playing to the audience that's cheering Roman. The kids and the women are going to look at that, and they're going to melt. And they're going to think, ah, look at that. Roman's a good guy. All these people booing him. They just don't understand what's important in in the world. I I don't think I was as outraged as James. Um, I'm sure I wasn't. But I thought it was heavy-handed, and I also don't think, outside of the people already cheering him, that it's going to make any difference. But I'm definitely curious... Uh, what uh, what Jason thinks about that, um, uh, Jason? Your thoughts? We haven't even brought him up yet. The top star in WWE, the world champion Roman Reigns. What do you think of the uh, Make a Wish moment with him?
7: Uh, major turnoff. Uh, I, it's just very Cena esque. It's WWE really trying too hard to make you like this guy. Um, one of the shows that you and I were at was a, I think it was a Raw show. Uh, Triple H and Stephanie, I, I'm guessing, uh, interacted with a Make a Wish kid who was at ringside didn't make the air. Uh, there's a way to do this where you know they have their moment and it doesn't make the air. They're, they're, they totally are manipulating that situation to their own advantage. I would like to think, uh, I mean, this is uh, fantasy booking at its finest here, but they did it by design. They want you know the the fans who are anti Roman to just be so turned off by this that, because they have to know they're going to see through it, see it yep. for exactly what it is, and with the idea that he is going heel. But I've I just kind of thrown my hands up if it's not. If he's not with Anderson and Gallows, and I don't think he is, Wade, I, I just kind of give up on Roman turning heel anytime soon.
5: I do too. I, I was more offended by at the end of the match when he started shaking like Hulk Hogan doing the Superman comeback, the no-cell. Like, I watched that in the AWA before Hulkamania arrived in the WWF, and I was like, you know, 11 or 12 years old and was really cool. So I, I want to keep that in mind that for the intended audience who hasn't seen that superman i'm getting all hyped up thing maybe it works with them based on some cheers and some merchandise sales but my god it feels derivative it feels copycat it feels like vince mcmahon just wants that so badly he's just there's that that square peg going into the round hole and he's just shoving it as hard as he can with roman until it squeezes and ekes its way through including that shaking uh, you, you know punch me and it doesn't matter and he's hulking up uh, it just I, part of it is I don't think Roman does it very well. It doesn't feel natural. Hulk, when he did it, it felt original. It felt natural. Uh, with Roman, it, again, it feels like a video game a, a, a video game character that's programmed to do it. It doesn't feel organic. It feels forced. Um, so there's still a lot about Roman that that's that's not working. Well, Jason, we'll probably talk more. Uh, in the vip after show uh if if not later here on the livecast about roman but i want to get back to damien for his uh second second topic go ahead damien
6: all right um now of course um nxt is going to air tomorrow night the whole samoa joe winning and house show the winning the nxt championship and the last time i can remember that happening was of course when diesel pin bob backland quit fashion at madison square garden to win the wwf championship many years back do you think that would that was a great idea to do in this day and age because i saw the video and the crowd was genuinely surprised so um but i just think that just having that moment played on air at least this soon is kind of a mistake
5: what do you guys think about that that's all i have thanks guys thanks damian uh, jason just...
7: Uh, airing it now is missed no I, I don't feel i don't feel that way at all um i i think it i i don't know their motivations that's the thing. i don't know if it's there was a, a, a late decision to bring Finn up if it's just this was something that they had they, they wanted to do to generate some buzz create that feeling that anything can happen i mean they're not hurting when it comes to their live events but at the same time i like a company that's proactive that all right, we're, we're doing fine, but we can still generate some buzz by doing this and create that feeling that anything can happen at one of our shows. So it's not just uh, you know, a, a, the, the traveling ice capades like WWE live events feel like sometimes. So I like, the, I, I, I like the move, even though I don't know what motivated it. And as far as airing it on television, you you need to. Why would you wait to air that? It it should feel big. You should show your audience what just happened with your championship. It's not something I would do on a regular basis, but I, I like it. I wish WWE would do it once in a while with their meaningless secondary titles. Hey guys, it's Mike McMahon from the All Elite After Show. Every week, Andrew Sochek and I break down AEW on our free PW Torch podcast. We've been doing this show since 2016. That's right. We're on our fifth year. When we started the show back then, we were talking just impact wrestling, and we still talk about them from time to time as well, and over the years, we've branched out to also discuss MLW, and of course, the main event of our program, which is always the latest going on in AEW. Again, the show is called the All Elite After Show with me, Mike McMahon, and my partner, Andrew Sochak. You can check us out as part of the PW Torch daily cast lineup. You can subscribe to our show and all of the daily cast shows just by searching PW Torch on any podcast. Cast app, and of course, you can listen ad free with a PW Torch VIP membership.
5: Yeah, yeah, the NXT title change is interesting. It's not really a spoiler to talk about it because it wasn't at a TV taping. Uh, it, it was it, it, There's so much that NXT does that's old school But when I say old school Some people mean think that means that It had an expiration date And it changed for good reason to new school And that's not how I define old school What I define old school no. Is things that really worked well in the past That are timeless, if tweaked in context That should be brought back Because there's so many awful, terrible, stupid things That have been done since the Monday Night War era that uh, that that would be uh good to retire because they haven't worked the title change at a house show now and then i think it's a good idea um with nxt they have nothing to lose because they don't do other than takeover specials they don't do live programming they're not live every week so and and by the way when i say old school it used to be and bruce mitchell talked about this on the bruce mitchell audio show part two on sunday for vip members in depth the the history of title changes at house shows, well, that used to be where all titles changed hands because TV tapings were squash matches and hype for the house shows and there weren't right. pay-per-views. So house shows is the culmination, used to be the culmination. That is where um, titles would changed hands because that's where the wrestling promoters made their money. I, I like NXT doing this. I think that it, it makes every title match for years at an NXT house show, especially if there's cameras present, to seem like there could be a title change. And I don't think fans would have have believed that there would be a title change without there being a major title change at a house show. So now, what they've done as a service to fans who are already going to NXT shows is they've made the world title matches more enjoyable. They've made all title matches more enjoyable because you believe there's a chance... The title will change hands, it'll get mentioned on Raw, in highlights or the whole thing will air on NXT the following week. Jason, you and I back in the 1980s, we'd talk on the phone, I remember us, I still, I talk about this once in a while, when we tried to talk ourselves into, yeah, Hercules might end a Hulk Hogan's title reign, maybe there'll be cameras there, let's look (laughs) for the camera. You know, you just want a story to believe in, give us a chance, Uh, make us think that there's a chance, even if honest money isn't going to go on it, that... We could be going to a house show to see a title change. And that is not the feeling you get at WWE house shows. You feel like you're there to see the ice capades. You're there to see a touring entertainment act go through the motions, but the real stuff is Raw, SmackDown, and pay-per-view. Um, NXT ha- does not have the disadvantage of having, of, of, of having a monthly pay-per-view. I mean, if they want to do that title change for any number of reasons, booking-wise, they can't just go, well, we'll do it at the next pay-per-view, because that can be too far down the road. Their takeover specials are too far down the road, and so then, if they do it at a TV taping, well everybody hears about it anyway and it 's in front of a small it 's in front of a smaller crowd at a TV taping that maybe has sat through tons of matches already so the advantage of doing it at a house show is great it 's a better atmosphere it feels major league I, again, people who watch NXT week to week and follow it are getting who are newer fans are getting the closest version of what for what, six and a half years now, uh, going on six and a half that I've talked about here on the live cast are things that used to always work that still can. And, you know, every era is different. Everything is, there are some circumstances that change, but old school, uh, there's things that work that I think were timeless that were abandoned for some good reasons during the Monday Night War era that don't apply anymore. And in many cases, really bad reasons because the people running things were undisciplined or didn't know history or had a bankrupt idea that they just pushed, um, Regardless of the circumstances, so I I give a big thumbs up to what they did, and I'm curious to see what they do with Finn Balor. You know, if he shows up on Sunday, it explains why they did it. Uh, But Finn Balor, you know, has said he's not done with NXT, so we'll see, Jason. But I, I I like it. It definitely gets a thumbs up for me.
7: Yeah, he's working this uh, pretty well. I mean, first telling uh, a a group of fans outside Mm -hmm. the uh, building after losing the title, uh, hinting that he'd be there on Raw on Monday, and of course he wasn't. But then before that. On uh, Saturday night is is when he made the claim that he's staying in NXT, so he's keeping people guessing. And, and I do want to uh, sneak in a quick plug that Zach Zimmerman actually attended all three of the NXT weekend live events, and he and I—that's uh, unfair. Nobody there. should get
5: to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
10: that's too. Well, that's he was too there cool. for
7: the Thursday title change, and yep. then on Friday we got together in uh, all access audio, com slash pro wrestling D O T N E T or you can just find it on the main page of wrestling dot net. But we spent a good twenty minutes breaking down. Uh, at least the first half of it discussing the title change what would happen with Finn and uh, just, then just getting his thoughts on the show but all three uh, live events are detailed by Zach in uh, in our NXT live event section at prowrestling.net too so kind of a a, a fun weekend for Zach to hit uh, three different uh, NXT live events in the same weekend and it was fun because you know obviously with Joe winning on Thursday and then they advertised the match on posters that you were going to get a rematch on Saturday for, with, with Valor. They ended up adding Austin Aries to it, but it was still like, right, is this going to be the old uh, trick where you, you do the title change Gosh. and you start the tour, and then by the end of the weekend uh, you, you end up seeing the champion win it back, and so it just kind of erases everything, but they didn't go there.
5: No, they didn't. You, you've put together a great staff, too, Jason. I mean, Jake and Will have, have done such a great job, and Zach is a go-to guy for NXT uh, analysis and insights and seeing all those, all those shows. It's, people should really check Darren
7: it out. Darren Gutteridge, Hayden Gleed, John Moore, you're going to get me in trouble if we leave I, anybody I, out. Those guys was, do phenomenal work, too.
5: I was, headed to, I was headed to some of those names, so I, I was going to leave one out, but I won't say why. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, no, it's good stuff. and people. I mean, it's a free feat. It's daily, so people should be checking that out. Um, and uh, like you've plugged, it's available at prowrestling.net. I mean, free daily audio from a great, great team. So people should definitely check that out. Um, yeah, people were complaining the last two weeks. You know, you've got your fans, Jason, believe it or not. And they were sad that you, you weren't on the show the last two weeks. And actually, two weeks ago, we did a VIP after show. But last week, you weren't on at all. And I was like, well, there's no shortage of Jason. You can get a lot of free Jason and then be enticed to sign up and uh, get even more. And then after that, see if you still want more Jason.
7: Well, you know you made the mistake of having fair play on <laughs> anyone 's going to look good next to fair play in terms of just on paper. Johnny did a great job, but he 's a heel, and so yeah. everyone 's going to go whoever the other guy is. we want him
5: as bruce says johnny 's Johnny, but when he's on uh, he, when he 's on with me, he knows that he 's got to bring his game and be more serious and and uh and every time that he's been on the livecast he's been good and i thought last tuesday he was really good i thought he brought it there's some people on twitter like i skipped johnny fairplay and i mean i i understand why somebody would johnny plays that you know (laughs) plays that part you know he's 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 in he's an agitator and a button pusher and that kind of thing um but he really, I, I thought he did a great job on Tuesday's show. I, I thought that he, he brought it and uh, didn't let me down. It's a big, it's a big chair to fill. Uh, the Tuesday live cast has been an anchor of this show for a long time with you, Jason, and introducing some other people into the mix on Tuesdays um, is, puts people in a tough spot. And uh, last Tuesday, Johnny definitely came through. Um, okay, well, let's get back well, to... Real,
7: phone- real quick on Johnny, too. I just want to sneak in. When, when I said too much nice, Jason. Jason, yes, I said no, too much nice, so it has be nice.
5: to be ba- mean. At this point, we've said way too much well, nice about him.
7: <laughs> I just, want, I do want to give him credit. All right, there's a reason we both have him on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. when. when if it's not after a pay-per-view and Johnny's been drinking, Johnny brings a lot to the table when he's serious. And Johnny is a student of the game. He's worked in the industry. Uh, as you've mentioned many times, Roddy's former assistant, Roddy Piper's former assistant. So it's not just some guy who likes wrestling. Johnny definitely knows his stuff.
5: And he's huge huge in NXT and uh, follows the product closely. So like I said, I'm trying to think of bad things to say about him because I, I can't. No, we'll save start. that for the after show okay good all right let's uh let's go next and uh, we're going to wrap up here soon the free portion and uh if you so if we don't get to your call and you're a vip or net member um email us your topic or question if we didn't get to it there's a lot more to get to jason and i have some catching up to do on stories uh outside of uh of what we've talked about on today's livecast so far including uh china and so um if you're a vip member or net member you'll get that in the vip after show we'll talk tna and uh uh, NXT and more so um, join us there but uh, let's take another call maybe two before we uh, wrap up here and go to that we're about to go to another commercial break why are you listening to commercial breaks why deal with these interruptions when you can become a VIP member support the Wade Keller pro wrestling Podcasts, Wade Keller pro wrestling post shows the PW Torch daily casts and the entire team and everything that we do and get a ton in return for your membership by becoming a VIP member Go to PWTorchVIPinfo.com for full details, 30-plus years of archives of podcasts, retro radio shows, over 1,600 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, a fascinating march through our coverage of wrestling history, and so much more, including ad-free versions of the Wade Keller Podcast, Wade Keller Post Shows, and PW Torch Daily Casts, and several exclusive VIP podcasts just about every day, dozens of VIP exclusive podcast that you're not hearing because you're not a VIP member. So go VIP, pwtorchvipinfo.com. Subscribe to our VIP podcast feed and listen in a streamlined way with no interruptions to all of our podcasts. Again, that's pwtorchvipinfo.com.
10: Hi, this is John Arezzi. Matt Memories, My Wild Life in Pro Wrestling, Country Music, and with the Mets, is now available everywhere books are sold. Co written by Greg Oliver, Matt Memories is the story of my roller coaster life. Learn the inside stories about my days as the host of the groundbreaking Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show and as the wrestling convention pioneer and deal maker. I hold nothing back. Matt Memories, available now from ECW Press.
5: So we'll go to uh, 718 next. Uh, 718, please state your name and where you're calling from.
9: Yeah, good job. Mike from Brooklyn. How you doing, guys?
5: Do, doing good, Mike. Thanks. What have you got for us?
9: Well, one of the earliest callers, he already, he already spoke about it, you know, as far as, like, the uh, make a wish and just being so pitch-perfect for him, and, you know, to come out at that time. So I got two quick things, and I'm out. First of all, I think the tag team division – you know, there's a clear glimpse of exploding. And what do you guys think about that? Because I think the big money match down the line is, you know, um, Enzo and cash versus Gallows and Anderson. How would you guys feel about that? And my second thing is, do you think we'll see a uh, split? And that's all I got. Thank you.
5: All right, cool. Thanks, Mike. Um, I, I like the tag division. I, I, I was thinking exactly – um and i mentioned it earlier what mike brought up you know enzo and Cass against anderson and gallows can be a money match down the line whenever it makes sense to have it i it depends on the booking scheme and where they're going on sunday and monday uh, but there's some fresh tag matchups that i like i like the dudleys being the the gatekeepers of sorts for new tag teams uh the fact that you've got uh, jordan and gable and Dash and Dawson and NXT as established teams that can come up um, if they choose to bring them up as tag teams. Certainly, Dash and Dawson should be uh, Jordan and Gable. I, I I think should be also, but I could see Vince being tempted uh, to go singles, especially with Jordan with his size and look. But um, uh, Jason, I mean, I, I, I'm, it's too early to say we're you know in a, a glory period for tag teams, but there's a freshness to it that and, and some some uh, some matchups that we haven't seen that I think could be pretty fun.
7: You know, and a team that I don't think we're giving enough credit to right now, I certainly wasn't here until the last week, was the villains. I think they are doing nice mic work. That's been the thing that stood out to me. You know, it's a it's a very quirky act, it is. and I don't know if it's going to work, but they are giving it their best effort, that's for sure. The mic work that they had on SmackDown, and then again last night on Raw, I, I, is certainly helping the cause. And... I guess I just hope that, all right, if the whole black-and-white Vaudevillan act doesn't really click, that they can transition out of this, because they, those two guys have talent. They've shown it in the ring, and and we're seeing now that they can hold their own on the mic. I'm looking forward to that match, and I actually think that they'll be the team going on to face New Day, because yep. I, I don't think they did all that stuff with the Dudleys and Enzo and Cass for, for just a, a quick you know, semifinals match in a tournament, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Dudleys cost Enzo and Cass.
5: Well, the thing that the VOD villains tapped into that I think every tag team in modern history is kicking themselves for is getting, uh, that heel heat based around, uh, 1899 values. You know, I mean, if you want to get heel heat, you know, take a stand. We're for 1899 values, not 1999 values that, I mean, it's just so obvious it was out there this whole time, you know, anti-running water, anti, uh, penicillin, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, Come on, let's you know horse and carriage, and actually there's something. It should be a babyface act with with uh, uh, some of the you know environmental issues that, that we're coping with from uh, the combustible engines and all that stuff, and factory farming, and all the things that are, are you know challenging Earth's ecosystem. Um, I hope that's not a controversial stand to take with everybody. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean I, it's actually kind of a babyface act. They can they can eventually turn that into a positive. But anyway, no, I'm with you. I, I'm with you too. Uh, they're they're quirky. And I think they have to. Uh, I think a lot, there was low expectations of them coming up, and I think they've already exceeded it. And I'm looking forward to uh, payback. And I hope that they're protected enough that, uh, or a lot, so that they have a chance to shine. Um, I don't. I don't mind the black and white. I think. The I mean, Bruce Mitchell hates it. He hates the VOD the villains, oh, it's a pun, and, and the black and white and the old music and all that. And it's like it, that, that, that alone isn't a reason to embrace or reject the gimmick. It's what do they do with it. And uh, you're right, SmackDown last week, Raw last night, I think it opened some eyes.
7: Uh, yeah, hey, the gimmick doesn't do anything for me either. I, I'm with Bruce on it, but, it, but they, they have
5: impressed me. Uh, how about the brand split, Jason? Um, what are your odds that not hard split, soft split, uh, Shane on one, Steph on the other. Uh, some wrestlers, exclu- you know, maybe not overtly exclusive, but they're available to be booked on each show. And Shane has his favorites, Steph has her favorites. If they have separate shows, like, or a full-fledged hard brand split with separate world titles, like, what? Without getting into the specifics, what are your odds of something in the next few weeks developing where there is some sort of brand split?
7: You know, I, I don't. Maybe I'm just not seeing it clearly. I'll go. Thirty percent that it happens, seventy percent against. Uh, I, and if you had asked me at the start of the show, I probably would have said twenty. But uh, people are buzzing a little bit about it. So, and, and obviously, there's been some past indications that it's a possibility. Okay. I just haven't heard from anyone in WWE that it, that it's happening. And so, if it is, they're they're doing a nice job of keeping it quiet.
5: I agree. Yep. All right, we're going to wrap up on that note. Thanks to all our callers. Sorry, those we didn't get to. We got it. Um, that, uh, that'll that do it for me. Uh, Jason, great to have you back, and I look forward to the VIP After Show uh, delving into a wide range of uh, other topics.
7: Absolutely. Hey, have you ever thought about Johnny Fairplay free, where you just go in and edit <laughs> out everything he says?
5: We actually have a premium premium membership um, where you pay $30 like a it. month, and we take Johnny Fairplay out entirely um actually there's probably one or two people who out of principle would would uh would sign up for that to send a message but (laughs) 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 all right um jason great to have you back on the live cast um and uh check out jason's work every day uh at prowrestling.net and uh don't forget mma torch our sister brand covering the world of mma uh john jones over the weekend a big Uh, A big main event fight um, along with some uh, meaningful undercard matches in co-main events a lot of developments with UFC 200 some big fights coming up in coming weeks it is uh, definitely worth checking out if you're a UFC fan Jamie Pennick and company on a a full-time basis do a great job covering MMA that's mmatorch.com mmatorchlivecast.com and also uh, the free MMA Torch app so please download that app to your iPhone or Android device Uh, if you are an MMA fan and a fan of how we cover uh, pro wrestling i think you'll like how we do mma all right until next time tomorrow with pat mcneil and then i'm back on thursday with matt morgan and if you're craving more check out my jim ross interview from last week if you missed it you can find access to all of our past interviews at pwtorchlivecast.com our new website this year with great layout that helps you find shows that you might have missed and uh listen to some best of shows that are also featured on that page until next time on behalf of jason powell follow me on wade, uh, follow me on twitter by the way at the wade Keller. Um, and follow our brand at PWTorch and on that final closing note Wade Keller signing off for today
8: Wrestling fans are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. I'm Robert viahos host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans every Monday on PW Torch's daily cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event, We provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at pwtorchdailycast.com, where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Casts.
5: This is PWTorch.com editor, along with Jason Powell. We're now on the VIP After Show portion of the program. We were just talking off air uh, about Prince. Uh, Jason, as Minnesotans, um, I was a little bit surprised by how big of a deal this was outside of Minnesota. Uh, Not that I think it isn't deserved for what Prince did and meant to Music and and people in the body of work that he created and how long he was around and what just an amazingly charismatic uh, figure that he was and enigmatic too, you know, like, like, you know, the Jeff Hardy uh, uh, catch for air, you know, description of him. I mean, he just, he was, he was out in public sometimes, but he didn't do interviews. He wasn't, you know, a, a publicity glory pound who was always putting himself out there, uh, just living off of the latest radio interview or TV interview or anything like that. So he was one of us, but also mysterious. I didn't know the level of passion and emotion that was still there for Prince Out there, um, among not just in a nostalgic way for people who, like me, listened on cassette tapes on my Walkman when biking to the orthodontist office in in the mid 1980s, listening to "When Doves Cry" um, over and over again, uh, dodging traffic, but like to younger people too. It's just like I I was surprised how far and how deep it was, even outside of Minnesota.
7: Yeah, I knew there was a very, very passionate fan base, but I didn't know. If it was still that, if it had that mainstream appeal, still, and and it's really cool that it did, that it did. I mean, it's um. Uh, wow. I mean, just the reaction to this, to the streets of Minneapolis being filled with people, and, and and certainly the national reaction, Saturday Night Live, dedicating a whole show to him on Saturday, which was very cool, except for Jimmy Fallon had to ruin that, too, because I, I couldn't take my eyes off him headbanging to Prince music, which was just bizarre. Um, <laughs> and he's ruined countless sketch, as, as, uh, skits and sketches by laughing through them. I,
5: yep.
7: Can you tell I don't like Jimmy Fallon? Yes, I can. not yeah, I can't <laughs> help it. Sorry, Jim, sorry Prince. I, I had to. Just hate on Jimmy Fallon for a little bit, Uh, but no, it um, it, it's I mean, just wow! It it was such a weird weekend. Just it's like I felt compelled to listen to some of his music, to seek out some of the interviews, and and just you know keep up on the news stories and everything. And it's just it it just kind of consumed me over the weekend.
5: Well, let's uh, shift because we could twenty minutes can go by talking about Prince Um, easily. Oh, easy, yeah. But uh, uh, China, uh, Joni Lauer. Um, you know, more coming out, more information coming out on her and her death and her life. You, you the, the awkwardness of uh, Triple H and Stephanie talking about the situation. Uh, Jim Ross on last week's show. I know, uh, Jason, what, what do you believe uh, is, the, what's the fair stance uh, to take objectively on how Joni was treated departing uh, WWE, uh, given the... the relationship issues and other issues that she had going on and then her also as Jim Ross described it a belief that she could uh survive outside of the WWE ecosystem and that there'd be opportunities for her that turned out not to be as prevalent uh, did WWE treat her as unfairly as some people say w- did they treat them completely fairly like Jim Ross portrayed it last week on the live cast w- what's your impression
7: you know I-, I don't know that we'll ever know the full story because WWE is going to defend themselves and China didn't always deal in reality. And so it's hard to know exactly who's telling the, the, the full story there. I I mean, certainly the circumstance is very strange. Um, I, I just look at it like she is someone who lost her job, lost her boyfriend, lost her traveling support system. Because when you're on the road as much as they are that becomes your family in a lot of ways. And she didn't have a great family upbringing by the sounds of it. And so, you know, I can see where if you're on the road as often as she was and, and you lose all of that, I can see how you, how someone breaks, you know, and, and I really think that's what happened with her. And I just don't think she ever bounced back. I, I think she, that broke her mentally. And then she got into to drugs and things of that nature. And, and she just never rebounded. And, you know, it, it's how much is WWE to blame? I mean, the situation you know the circumstances surrounding her departure played a part in it others would have bounced back from it too you know and and where she just i don't feel like she ever did and i mean it's just a very complicated story way
5: it it is it is complicated she's a complicated person i think that uh, i don't know if there's enough interest to get a a top level biographer to write her story and really get into what she went through and maybe maybe it isn't going to be as it wouldn't be all that interesting to a lot of people um, you know what she went through since leaving WWE since a lot of it was kind of an open book um, but I, I I was kind of surprised at how many people were not aware of uh, the trouble that she had with drugs and the trouble that she had with reality um, and the the uh, 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 the desire to get attention and do anything to get it um, after being out uh, uh, being out of the spotlight of WWE. And you, you kind of tapped into that too. You know, I think she was a bit of a lost soul. I think she got addicted to the crowds and, and the attention even more so than the money, the the feeling of, of being part of something and the self-worth and having that being taken away and believing that it was taken away to, to some degree unfairly uh, because of relationship issues, uh, I think, you know, did uh, eat away at her and, and it was sad. And yet you hear this, you know, this, the, the stories, which I think are genuine that she, besides being, uh, troubled and ha- not having a grip on reality sometimes and and the the drug issues there's this other side to her um caring funny um a a good friend to those she considered still her friend uh intelligent renaissance like um it, you know uh, I just there's she's she I think there's more layers and complexity to her than her critics would give her credit for because when you put YouTube videos out there, when you're not in a, a sober state of mind, when you say the things that she's said and you're on the shows that she's been on and you've done the pornography, it's just, yeah, I just, it's... it's there, you there's make some
7: people, very strong accusations it, that you can't back up.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what what does someone say to, to some of the claims that she made? And I know how, how it affected some of the people. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I just, you know, I've got Mick, I I have uh, a a range of feelings about how she handled herself after her WWE fame, and I mean, I think you can make the argument there's few people who handled being out of the WWE ecosystem, there's few people who handled it worse than she did, um, who did more self-destruction than than she did, and I mean, most of all, it's just, it's really sad that in uh, 2000, uh, that, that at age 46. That she didn't have a chance to get things put back together. Um, that whatever, whoever she needed in her life to make that happen. And Matt Morgan will be on the show Thursday, and he he had tweeted that he had talked to her recently, and Jim Ross had been counseling her and, and trying to talk to her and 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 uh, felt I wouldn't say an obligation or responsibility by any means, but certainly a, a connection to her from her past. And it's not like Jim Ross is is you know uh, Jim Ross is interesting in that he's he's, he's sometimes seems like a company man for WWE, and other times definitely not. And it gives him some extra credibility. You know, he's not just a pro-WWE apologist on all matters, but right. I think for the era that he was part of, he still feels that connection to those people that he was so instrumental in bringing in and uh, in featuring and, and working with on a personal level. I, I just, I think he feels bad. I think a lot of people who knew her feel like she might have been able to get over this hump, and it, she died just a little... Uh, she she died a little bit before things might have started to get better.
7: What did you make of the uh, the TMZ report yesterday, quoting their manager as saying he was trying to get around the intervention show and had a deal in place, but they were unable to uh, get things done? You know, they were waiting for the, the production team basically to stage the intervention.
5: Yeah, I mean, I guess I take it at face value. It's not for me.
7: It's not that. I mean, okay. In fairness, TMZ did say like intervention producers did, had not confirmed at last check. Yeah. For all, I, I didn't look at it that way. Okay. As much as you were waiting for a production team, you I know, see. If, if I somebody's see. at risk, yeah. don't you say I, you know? Screw the television deal. Screw the payoff. Uh, l- let's let's make this happen now.
5: That's a hell of a point. Yeah, I, I hadn't even thought about it in that context, and it's the obvious thought to have. Um, yeah, it's like well. We wanted to film him putting on his seatbelt before we hit the tree, but the camera just wasn't quite working yet. Right. Um, so I told him, don't put the seatbelt on. I'm going to film it. It's like, you're headed towards a tree. She needs a seatbelt on. Don't, w- don't worry if the camera's on. Save her life. So yeah, that's, you know, but I mean, I, I, okay. I totally back what you, what you brought up and what I just said. I, I also think that if you're trying to get somebody help, and you think if, if you've rationalized or think that having it happen on camera because of who she is and how she handles publicity might actually hold her more accountable, and that's the only way that it will really work. And you weren't thinking that you know the odds of her dying before that in the next month were all that great. Sure, I don't want to come down too hard on them in that situation, but it it, it does kind of reek of hey, here's an opportunity as a manager to help her career. Um, and you're thinking in those ways more so than than what would. It would help her. But final topic on China, because I do want to get to some other current events too here, Jason. What was she a pioneer? I mean, it sounds blasphemous to even question that, but a pioneer is somebody who blazes a trail that others follow. And I, 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 it's not an insult to her. I, I just think pioneer is the wrong word. I think she was more of a one of a kind.
7: Yeah, you know, I mean, okay, were there people that, they, I mean, they, they brought in Nicole Bass and others and tried to, and Asia was hey, in Asia. WCW, you know, there, there were some clones there, so she, you know, there was some level of inspiration, but the whole, well, she wrestled men, and now they do it in Lucha Underground, I, I that I just kind of rolled my eyes at, you know, it wasn't like that trend became the norm because she was doing it at the time, I, I don't think Lucha Underground did it just because China was doing it, Yeah. Um. but yeah, I, I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying not necessarily a pioneer in that sense. Where I would say, she, where I look at her as a pioneer is just the character showing strength, you know, female strength in in a time in the WWF or WWE where you really didn't get that. I mean, you would have your babyface champion like Medusa once in a while, but she was different. You know, there there was something unique and as you said, one of a kind about her.
5: Check out our new 2021 PW Torch VIP podcast lineup, including Everything with Rich Fan hosted by Wade Keller, where on weekends we get together and talk about everything. And that includes our popular Off the Beaten Path segment, where either Rich or I present each other with something to watch that's off the beaten path, and we dissect and analyze and react to it. Sometimes it's weird, sometimes it's nostalgic, sometimes it's therapeutic, and sometimes it's just plucking something from the past that would work today that's not being done. But we talk about uh, WWE, NXT, AEW, all the current events in professional wrestling also. It's a different format. In a fresh podcast dynamic with Rich and me. Every weekend, everything with Rich Fan is part of the new PW Torch VIP podcast lineup for 2021. Uh, let's go ahead and shift to the mailbag. we got some good questions that came in here. Um, Number one, Jay from Tampa says, with all the talk about Finn Balor leaving NXT and heading to Raw and joining Anderson and Gallows, my question is, if Finn Balor joins a club or turns heel, how would this affect his awesome entrance? I've seen Finn live before, but the demon entrance is something I'd really want to see at SummerSlam and especially WrestleMania. Um, uh, He's got a second question on Apollo Crews, but let's start with uh, Balor. Uh, The awesome entrance, Jason, if he turns heel, can wait. Yeah, you know, let him turn babyface down the line. If he comes in, and he's heel, and I, I, you know, I, I don't know, it was about five, five. I don't know how many weeks ago it was on uh, NXT TV. He wrestled a squash match, and it just jumped out to me that he was. He, I think he was wrestling heel, um, hmm. and and that it was just it. They happened to film it, but it was a test run uh, to get back in that mode. WWE had not. WWE officials hadn't seen him do a heel style up close. And maybe there were some people who were skeptical that he could do it. He wasn't yelling at the fans and booing them, but he was withdrawn. And he wrestled, I thought, a heel format. And I thought it was subtle, but I think that it was a practice session or something to prove something to somebody, whether it was Vince and Kevin Dunn or whatever, that you know somebody had expressed, ah, I don't buy this guy as a heel. And they're like, okay, here, we'll, we'll, we'll do this match. It'll be subtle, but you'll see what we mean. Um, and, and it was good. I mean, he can be a really, really good heel. And I think people who have only seen him as a babyface in NXT don't, don't necessarily know that he can be and he will be um if that's how they bring him in i think he'll be really effective it's obviously his size it's a huge issue um and he has to overcome that but he's super super talented he's uh and i and i think he can so that when he'll eventually turn babyface and we'll eventually get that entrance the music is phenomenal i mean i I love the arms the arms coming out in the crowd doing it i think it's this really cool it's the next yes chant but if the right place for him right now to be a main eventer is a heel and they have this over, they're overrun with baby faces, And if that's the way for him to get a chance to take on Roman Reigns at a SummerSlam or a big pay-per-view, um, then make him a heel. I just want to see him at the top of the card. I think he'll be pretty charismatic and amazing no matter what his role is. Uh, Jason?
7: For sure. I, you know, I, I can't say I've seen a ton of his heel work in New Japan, but I, I do know people who have said all along that yeah, he's good as a baby face. He's better as a heel. They, you know, turn this guy heel and, and turn him loose. That that we're really excited about that. Uh, the entrance, yeah, it, it, I think it needs to go away. I, I wouldn't want to see him debut that as a heel. I think that would be silly. Um, so, and, and I guess you know, it. I, I guess you just have to delay the gratification on that because I don't think it will be a long run. WWE's track record with factions is is not great, and so there's no guarantee that if he, let's say, he is the leader of this, so it's Baller Club, whatever. I mean, this thing could be wrapped up in you know by Survivor Series and, or end of the year, and then WrestleMania, he's out there doing it as a babyface. I I really was really hoping we would have seen that, you know, a year before. I remember writing on Twitter, "Can't wait to see that entrance at WrestleMania 32 and AT and T Stadium," a- and we didn't get it. They they kept him in NXT a little bit longer. I, I guess more than anything, Wade, I just hope this is his time because I, yeah, he can have a, a program, you know, the, the rematch with Joe and all of that. But I kind of feel like he's done what he's needed to do there. I feel like it's time for him to come up.
5: Uh, I do, too. Um, let's go to part two. Uh, Apollo Cruz. Um, Jay says, it seems like his cheers decline week over week because of character and fan connection. Do you think it would help to pair Apollo with a hot returning Titus O'Neil? Wait, aren't Apollo and Titus Greek mythology names? Oh, no. I smell a corny classic Vince McMahon tag team coming on. He did try to turn Ron Simmons into a Greek gladiator-looking character. Oh, God. I forgot about that. Um or i just, I, shouldn't say, I just hadn 't thought about it forever um Apollo Crews cruz he 's loosened me a little bit jason i, I he's he's I, I like I commented on the hotline last night don 't talk about how you do moves, nobody else does that 's something you show people you don 't tell people um and, and don
7: 't talk about how long it takes you you know how you defied the odds and came back quicker, let other people do that for you
5: yeah. And I mean I don't I don't mind I don't mind him talking about Dusty to, to Cody. I mean that's sure. that's fine. I, I like that. But there was a little bit of Rocky Maivia smiling, a little bit of a self uh, self-satisfaction. I, I just I'm wondering if if he doesn't end up being an unexpected heel. Um they need some they need a heel core. Uh they need to improve that. Um the problem is is his ring style is so flashy, you know, that I see some contradictions, but then Right. There's something about doing those moves and acting just so self-satisfied with yourself that can that can work in your favor too. I don't know. I just I'm not sure yet. I mean, I, when I say I'm cooling off a little bit on him, I was like, you know, I had made a case, hey, shoot him to the top, have him win the Rumble and win at WrestleMania. And let's just just shoot someone to the top and see what happens. You need to create new stars. I thought he was worth gambling on. If it doesn't work, you abandon it, move on. Um, was so, And that's only because of all the injuries, you know, with Cena out and Orton and Seth and all that and the the flat Roman Reigns push. Otherwise, I certainly wouldn't have advocated for such a Hail Mary pass. But yeah, I'm not... I. I I'm not as sold on him now as I was two squash matches ago, Jason. How about you? Well,
7: I, I'm okay with him right now because I, I think this is traditionally what we've seen WWE do. Uh, they're they're bringing him in and he's winning squash matches and I think the lack of interest is just kind of from people saying, all right, we've seen this and they're just kind of waiting on that next chapter. And, and I think we saw a tease of it last week when Kevin Owens walked past him on the ramp. And if he feuds with Kevin Owens and we're still having questions about him as a uh, we're, you know clicking as a baby face, then well, it's probably, you know, all bets are off then because if, if Owens can't help get him over, I don't know that anyone can.
5: Yep. All right. Uh, I'm next. i got a lot of, stuff.
7: Oh, and real quick on the tightest thing. No, 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 oh, yeah. and no, I. Check your- well, The height difference alone would just I mean he looked small against Stardust Last night and that kind of surprised me I guess I didn't really think about how tall He was but you put him out there with Titus who's yeah.
5: Pretty big and it's really going to stand out And check yourself every time there's two black guys In a wrestling company and you think they should hang out together <laughs> Very true Alright Um, Vince B says I'd like to predict that the rating probably won't be much different than what it's been all year there's a lot of reasons being thrown around but to me the most obvious one hasn't been talked about It it has little to do with what's going on now the damage was done months if not years ago just like in 1996 the ratings didn't show the immediate progress in the product these numbers are the result of moving to three hours not treating current talent like stars and fighting against the will of the fans the product post mania has improved immensely but people who have dropped off won't know of it immediately Jason, I I agree. I mean, I I think that there's things you can get out of ratings, and there's things, the conclusions that should not be drawn from ratings. And uh, you know, what was it? I think Kevin McHale said, "Numbers lie and liars, uh, or figures lie and liars, figure or something like that." It's just like you can manipulate numbers for whatever argument you want to make, and you just you have you have to try to be honest about it, and fair, and consistent in the application of it. But history is worth drawing from here. Raw was a superior show to Nitro, and Nitro was still beating Raw in the ratings for a right. number of months when Steve Austin got hot. Um, WWE, I agree, should, should stay the course, not overreact to the new stars not getting over, because you would expect that new stars would not instantly be big draws. Where ratings matter is when you've pushed Roman as the top guy and you build the shows around him as a main event, and there's the steep, steeper-than-had-been drop-off in the third hour. The, the, the rejection of, not just rejection of, of him by live audiences, but the, the fact that it's, it, ratings are cold when he's not part of the show, and he's a central figure. It's unfair to blame Apollo Cruz and Baron Corbin and Sami Zayn for the ratings, because they just haven't been around long enough to establish that track record and build an audience. But it is fair to blame the ratings on Roman, because this when people think of WWE now, They're thinking of Roman and oftentimes bad thoughts associated with him being a a, a centerpiece act. So I think ratings apply to the top stars and they apply less to newer stars. And so I I hope that WWE looks at it that way too and doesn't think, well, boy, was it a mistake uh, to bring in new talent. And Vince has always been someone who has talked about taking one step back to move two forward. I mean, he, he understands that's something that he has to do sometimes. So I don't think he's super bothered by it, but I'm a little nervous about what this rating could be, Jason. Um, I, I don't know that the main event match with no... I mean, no... What? Give Del Rio promo time. Make right. us care about that match. Kevin Dunn, We're capable of caring about a match on TV and also still caring about what happens on Sunday. This idea that you can't complicate Roman Reigns by having someone else say something mean about him or try to get some heel heat so maybe some of the fans who are going to boo Roman actually boo Del Rio. I just don't get it. You're trying to draw a rating, trying to get people to stick around for that big angle at the end. Get us invested in Del Rio and Reigns. Put some thought into it. Have some mic time. Have Reigns backstage. You know, cut a promo. Um... Uh, you know where he and AJ make a reference to Del Rio, and AJ goes, "Don't look past Del Rio." And Reigns makes some comment. I don't know. It's just by the time Del Rio walked out there, I was like, "I, I can't believe they did nothing for this."
7: I I just don't think Reigns is a main event guy on Raw. I mean, after three hours, well, no matter when you advertise it, once you find out Roman Reigns is working a singles main event on Raw, and it's not a pay per view caliber opponent like a Styles there's a disconnect for me. As soon as I heard he's facing Alberto Del Rio, I was like, oh God. And then it's the main event, like, oh man, great. And, and it's like, you're looking forward to seeing what the angle is with Anderson Gallows and Styles, but it's not about the match. And, and I think that once they get through this period too, where that question goes away, it's been answered. I I mean, they're going to have to do something to heat up some heels for him to work with. And even then, I just don't think, I think that's the, the biggest problem right now. They're, casting him as their top star people are rejecting him there's a lot of good going on in the show but when you don't have that top guy that people are tuning in to see and they're excited about it's yeah. tough you know it's tough to get everyone else over but hey it's nba playoff time you know there's a lot it's post-wrestlemania time I, i'm not worried so much about the numbers going down and how it's going to affect this new era as they're calling it because what else do they have wade i mean they're, they're using the people you would expect them to use it's it's not like they've oh, okay what they bring back big show and kane like that's going to suddenly change things things will stay as they are they don't have an all they don't really have a choice
10: I'm Rich Van, host of the Deep Dive with Rich Van, a weekly part of the PW Torch daily cast lineup of shows. Search PW Torch and Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I dive in with a guest for an hour on anything in the world of wrestling or wrestling related. Want to hear about the influence of historical figures like Big Cat or New Lad? We got gotcha. you. Want to hear about how crazy the Marine movies got? We are on it. No topic is too big or too small, so if you want to dive in with us, call in live or listen on demand and see the entire P.W. Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com.
5: Well, and... I mean, obviously, Vince is super committed to, to, to Roman Reigns, but how many shows, like, I, if you don't like Conan O'Brien, but you like Andy Richter, you're not going to watch Conan O'Brien. Right. Um, if you don't like Jimmy Fallon, <clears throat> but you like his band. <laughs> and I do. You, yeah, you're not going to tune in to watch the band. Um, uh, so on and on. You know, I mean, it's just like WWE promotes themselves now they have three three hours three hours five minutes every week and there's a lot of other people that you can selectively tune in for or speed past if you're watching it on delay or on hulu but it's if it feels like the roman reigns show when he's the identity of the company and you don't like roman reigns it has a mitigating effect there's only so long that you're going to go all right i'll still support wwe even though there's you know the the major thing that they build it around i hate or, or really i'm not entertained by and, and reject outright i But if you love Sami Zayn, you love Kevin Owens, if you love Enzo and Cass, I mean, you know, there's people watching despite, in spite of Roman, but I also think there's people not watching because of Roman. And Todd Martin's made that argument about uh, about John Cena. That, yes, there's people who tune in to watch John Cena, he'll begrudgingly admit, uh, but there's a lot of people who just aren't going to be into the brand because John Cena represents that brand. Very true. And, you know, I, I mean... There's a reason celebrities endorse specific cars. You know, LeBron James and, and the Kia luxury vehicle. I mean, that that's a huge that's a huge expense for Kia, but it's it's huge branding. When you think of Kia, you're like, oh, this is a car LeBron drives. I saw it on TV, and I Kia is a luxury car. I don't have to get a, a Cadillac Escalade or a Lexus to be VIP and top shelf. LeBron, of all people, drives uh, the Kia lux- the top of the line Kia. So there's a reason what's that he fits (laughs) yes yes um well allegedly um so the having a singular face and name attached to a brand is something a lot of brands go after and roman is wwe's version of that and it can work against them okay
7: uh let me just sneak in this too wait it's John Cena in some ways is the worst thing that could have happened as far as Roman Reigns is concerned, because prior to John Cena, they would be looking at this going, crowd's turned against him. Let's turn him heel. And instead it's, well, it worked for John Cena. And you hear John Cena getting a little snide and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and I can't remember which interview recently, but he was just, you know, people don't understand this is the new wrestling business. And as long as you're getting a reaction, it's like, listen to the reaction he's getting and we're out of, Brooklyn and, and the WrestleMania crowd. Now we're into Hartford, Connecticut. Not exactly your, you know, known as as being this, uh, you know, haters uh, pro wrestling. We want it our way or else type of audience. And they were booing the hell out of him. They don't. People don't want to see him as a babyface. And they may cling to. Well, there were some women and kids cheering. You could kind of hear them. It wasn't the same as the reaction John Cena was getting when the women and children and other males were cheering him. This was—I mean, I had a correspondent who listed it as seventy thirty. He was in the building. I'll defer to him, but listening to it on TV, wait, it sounded like ninety percent screw Roman Reigns, ten percent maybe liked him.
5: I'm still waiting for John Cena to say something where I go, "Oh yeah, that that was impressive. I, I, he gets the business," you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, and I just. I mean I get that's what they tell themselves within WWE Uh, that's what you would you know Jack Corpella former WWE announcer was on this show a year ago and he was like he said the same thing oh as long as you're getting a reaction you know and it's like that's a conventional wisdom behind the scenes in WWE that's what they tell themselves but it's not true It's not even close to true. It's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. John Cena is the singular exception. Yes. There's not another act in that company other than the top act. John Cena, now Roman reigns because Roman looks apart, acts apart, Vince is determined. Um, There's nobody else who, if they got the exact opposite reaction of what they were being positioned to get in every way with the machinery behind them, that they would go, well, at least they're getting a reaction. It's just, the, the, rea- the reason Roman gets a big reaction is because, he, because fans have respect for the top spot in that company. They believe that if you are in that top spot, you should earn it, you should deserve it, and you should reflect what they want in the WWE brand, because WWE is a victim of their own uh, uh, mission, which was to get people behind the brand itself and not just behind wrestlers. Well, now they take seriously the world championship, they take seriously that top babyface spot, and Roman is not who they want representing it. I mean, it's, 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 you know, whatever happens at the Republican convention, there's going to be that kind of reaction. There's going to be people super pro Trump and super anti Trump, super pro Cruz, super anti Cruz. But they're Republicans. And they're going to be people passionate. like Cruz. And what's that? Nothing. Okay. And they are, it is not healthy for the Republican Party to have whatever percentage saying, I would never vote for that other guy. It's just not. And but they're Republicans, and they want the the best for the party, and they're vociferously rejecting you know a, a big portion are vociferously rejecting one, and the other are vociferously anti the other guy so I just don't think that's good. I think unity's better. I think getting the reaction you want is better. This is not good, and so john cena it's just it's it just it seems shallow and convenient um, and and so yeah i just I, i'm not. I'm not. I mean, John's made so much money and and has been uh, successful at, at at a level very few others have um, if for a long stretch, and and that's great. But it doesn't mean that he, as was the case with Ric Flair, that he necessarily had uh, an idea of what needed to be done outside of his own sphere as a booker or a booking mind or anything like that. He's too close to the trees and too close to thinking about himself and how to make money himself. That that I don't think he's a, a particularly effective or uh, uh, profound judge of of what the industry otherwise needs to to correct course or, or what is a sign that things are off course.
7: I, I agree. I mean, and and just the idea of him playing the John Cena game, complete with the Make a Wish kids. Now look, you how many not just not just Vince, but how many companies out there tried to create their own Hulk Hogan? How many territories did back in the day? I, I, none of them worked. You know, I mean, it's just it's one-of-a-kind kind of a, a, a thing, and, and you can try to replicate that, but you're just going to fail unless the guy just has some special quality that really isn't him duplicating what someone else has done, and, and he kind of veers off in a different direction. It, it's, it's just not going to work.
5: Let's uh, move to uh, Vince B's second question. Um, my question is about the idea that Gallows and Anderson might turn on AJ and join Roman. That sounds like a plan of someone who hates money. the biggest value in carl anderson and luke gallows is in the merchandise wwe can sell the bullet club shirt was the most popular shirt since that white cm punk fist one and the balor version pretty much picked up where the original left off the merch is especially popular with the Arden fans and the loud vocal males i heard from a friend who went to mania that those were the shirts they saw most all weekend followed by new day and bailey and of course cena and who can those same fans stand that's right can't stand uh, Roman Reigns. I can't imagine a Bullet Club wanting Reigns, running Reigns gear. So while there may be some tiny storyline sense to go that route, it'd be idiotic in a money making sense. Okay, well, first of all, I want to say this. I don't disagree with uh, most of what Vince said, but do not expect me to have a lot of time for an argument about what's best for business that's centered around t shirt sales. When it and, comes to
7: heels selling t shirts on top of it.
5: Yeah, yeah. I, and, and I'm not saying merchandise isn't important. And merchandise makes a lot of money for top acts, but my point is, is that is t-shirt sales are the result of wrestlers being well booked, and storylines being compelling in a hot wrestling company. Um, t-shirt sales should not be what drives booking. Booking should drive t-shirt sales. So I just it doesn't mean we don't land in the same place. But saying Bullet Club shouldn't align with reigns because there's too much money to be made on t-shirts in and of itself is not an argument to not position them together the argument to not position them together is because it's not the best option to sell wrestling tickets draw tv viewers get network viewers and have the best matchups and the best crowd reactions and the most engaged fan base when you do all that stuff t-shirts are just an inevitable side effect that will come from it if you you know actually market t-shirts and so I'm not particularly worried about that. Now, that said, yeah, I mean, people who are wearing Bullet Club t shirts already are not the fans that are going to make or break WWE's financial year. That doesn't mean already. But the Bullet Club t shirts, if the Bullet Club is promoted correctly and effectively, can explode. But their existing fan base who are buying the t shirts are buying them because it makes a statement. The statement says, I'm one of the cool fans who knows about New Japan, and you're one of the lemmings who follow the WWE main product. You're the ones who, who uh, aren't aren't watching all the product and reading all the sites and listening to all the podcasts that I do. It's a way to make a statement, and that was the same with the CM Punk fist T-shirt. You know, it was anti-authority. It was I know where this guy came from, and I know what he stands for, and, and I stand for that. Um, so that's good, but I don't think it's a big enough fan base to derail a good booking idea. That said, I agree. Anderson, Gallows, and Roman together, unless Roman goes heel, is a, is a terrible idea. If Roman goes heel, I'm so for Roman going heel that I'll endorse almost anything, and I think Roman as a heel can make more money for WWE than Bullet Club t-shirts. So part of me is just like, hey, if that's what it takes to get Roman to turn heel by building a Roman empire with Gallows and Anderson as his henchmen, I, I want that to be fully considered. Um, so a lot of thoughts for me, Jason, your thoughts.
7: Well, I I agree. I I think a a strong heel faction that actually plays heels would be so beneficial to WWE or just strong heels in general. I will take it. I will give up the t-shirt sales because we don't know if it's going to be what what it's going to be called. We don't know what the t-shirt's going to look like. We don't know if it's going to catch on, number one. Uh, But but also I, I think the thing that I worry about when I hear they need to be cast a certain way. I, I and I, I'm not saying that's what I think it was. Vince is, is suggesting, but I, I don't want cool heels. I yeah. don't want Bullet Club out there making all the baby faces look the way that the NWO made the WCW baby faces look. We've seen, yeah, it, it can create a boom. It, it can they can sell a lot of T-shirts. It, it can be fun for a couple years, but the aftermath sure sucks and. So if that's what people are hoping for with Bullet Club is that Finn Balor leads them or AJ, whoever the leader is, and they're a bunch of cool guys and you get Mm -hmm. to cheer for them when they face Roman Reigns and and whoever teams with him, you might want to think this one through.
5: Yes, yes. All right. We have some related questions here. Let's, uh, and, and some different topics too. Let's, I want to get through some emails here before we run out of time. Nathan from Tulsa. Um, been listening to you for about six months now. Absolutely love your shows and appreciate all the audio content. Top notch. First thing I thought of whenever the graphic of the McMahon decision on payback showed on the screen was what if he chooses someone different than Steph or Shane? I like the idea of him choosing right. Triple H to run the show, but when Stephanie starts celebrating, Trips turns babyface or maybe a different surrogate. Um, yeah. Anything to that, Jason?
7: Well, here's the thing. I, I had a, a a reader point out last night that Stephanie was not wearing her ring, and I, you know, I, I maybe she was having it repaired. God only Who notices
5: knows. that. Okay, go ahead. I'm glad they did. Well, I never
7: got an email from this person before, and he's probably a real reader, uh-huh. but it also made me wonder. Somebody really us to notice that she's not working. Ah. I couldn't help but, but wonder that. And so, if the person's listening, feel free to email me and let me know. Hey, I'm a real person. I don't work for WWE. But no, it's um, it was interesting because what it, I didn't look at it as. Oh my God, there's there's trouble between Paul Levesque and Stephanie McMahon in real life. I. I'm, could it be? It's not sure, but I don't. I don't. It just whatever. It's um, a fifty-fifty
5: shot based on national statistics that there's trouble there.
7: <laughs> well, I'll just say I, I looked at it as was this by design because if you watch what they replayed, it was Stephanie holding up that le- for for one of the replays of when she being carted off. It, it's when she uh, held up her left hand to tell security to go. You know, kind of like keep them at bay. I think they really wanted us to notice she wasn't wearing the ring, and I could be way off on that, but I do wonder if it's story, if something storyline-wise. The, the broadcast team didn't mention it. it, it they, you know, if they, so that, WWE usually can't help themselves but point that thing out, but maybe it's something they're just going to play cool on for a week, and, and maybe next week they do start bringing it up.
5: Interesting. I, I'm intrigued. You've got me intrigued.
7: Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other Pro Wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com.
5: I could see Triple H. I mean, the idea that the fact that Triple H, other than you know being a fill-in on the European tour, hasn't been really talked about since WrestleMania, um, means either there's no plans for him, or there's plans for him, and they want his return to be a surprise, which doesn't really narrow things down very much. But if he does show up Sunday, or he's part of Vince's decision, I mean, I, I'm intrigued by that. But I don't know storyline-wise how you give Triple H power instead of Shane, unless. Or Triple H, instead of Stephanie. Like, why would Vince do that? You know, that—that's what I'm hung up on—is why. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess it doesn't have to make sense because it's Vince, and he could go. I'm so tired of my of my kids uh, arguing with each other. Neither of you have uh, made me proud with your bickering and and uh, your gloating, Shane and and Stephanie with the way that you treated your brother and Shane the way. So I'm going to give power to the guy who's proven himself to me, uh, and that is Triple H. So, I mean, I guess maybe there's some way to do that and then it just leads to total chaos. I don't know. Um,
7: My guess on on how Triple H returns is something that a former WWE creative team mentioned which is that he's the guy behind Bully Club or whatever they're called. That it's payback. Oh God. It's it's called payback. They're going to need whether it's Balor or Styles as like the... uh, as like the leader of the group, they need someone to cut the promos. Triple H can be that guy. It it plays into the never-ending McMahon family circus and you know, they'd be heels. I I it I thought it was an interesting scenario, not one that I want to see, but I could see them thinking
5: this is great. So instead of Bullet Club, it's Hunter's House. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this Which is-
7: sounds better than House of Hardcore, I got to say.
5: Yeah. Um uh... Uh, okay, so or Triple H is tent. I should have stopped on Hunter Sauce. Um, let's, uh, yeah, let, let, Payback's gonna be fun. I mean, I, I don't know where they're going. I, I think it's fun. Um, I think it's gonna lay some loaded what, lineup. And loaded lineup. And uh, yeah, just, I mean, I think people are intrigued by this. Uh, if, if it doesn't show up in the ratings, um, I think the people who are watching the show. Are, are intrigued with what, what, what's going to happen. It's, it's been an interesting post-WrestleMania month, and I think it'll uh, amp up starting Sunday night and Monday. Okay, ne- up next from uh, Nate. Nathan from Tulsa. Uh, what's it going to take for the U.S. Championship to get it onto the main show? Are they doing this to get people to watch the pre-show, or do they not, really not care about it until Cena gets back? Well, I don't agree with the premise of the question. That Cena is going to be associated with the U.S. title period when he comes right. back. Uh, maybe he will. Um, if, they just if Ryback wins Sunday,
7: that might be the answer to the earlier question. Who knows?
5: That's right. No, no it might be. And, I mean, that, it works for me in a sense if, if you don't want Cena fans wondering, why isn't Cena getting involved in the world title picture, uh, and you're looking for some opponent that feels semi-fresh for him to kind of be reintroduced into the mix with. I mean, I guess Ryback works, um, you know, as well as anything that's not pay-per-view main event level. So, yeah, possibly. But, no, I mean, the answer is Vince doesn't care about it right now. I mean it's just it's it's one of those things that sometimes gets your attention that sometimes gets Vince's attention and sometimes doesn't. You know, we've got our favorite TV shows that we it's destination, we know when they're going to air, we know when the season ends, we know when it starts, we know we're going to talk about it, we got to watch it. And then there's the shows that you sort of pay attention to when there's a lag or it happens to be on or The Blacklist. It's, it's in between it's in between uh, you know f- f- football the football draft and the preseason of football whatever um and or same with sports some sports you watch only because something else isn't in season for vince that's the u.s title when it's <laughs> w- w- you know it's like if if it's something he has time to pay attention to he does but if he's thinking about other stuff it, it's just such an afterthought and, and that's what it is and it doesn't seem like all that big of a deal to me
7: no it's i mean it's a shame that they Wasted it, you know, that they had it feeling semi prestigious. And because Cena lost it, well, it, it no longer needs to feel prestigious. It's it's just the U.S. title that yeah. it was a mistake. I mean, Kalisto should be defending it in open challenges. I've said it from the start. You know, he's an underdog. People would pay attention and, and think there's a good chance when he defended that title on TV that he might lose it. And they didn't do that. And they just had him trade wins and losses with Del Rio. And now they're having him trade wins and losses with Ryback, and no one cares. And I, I kind of wonder if it. Putting it in the kickoff show slot again is just kind of their rib on Ryback. I mean, he says some dumb things in interviews (laughs) at times.
5: He does. He does. I look forward to them. Um, Okay. uh, (laughs) Question number three. I keep getting the feeling that Gallows and Anderson are going to attack AJ during the championship match. Really? Really, Nathan? (laughs) Um, And we'll join with Roman. Okay. That's that adds something. If not that, could you see the Usos turning heel with Roman? Um, I, I've actually sensed that the Usos are kind of irritated with Roman um, more than you know. They're, they're like, "Hey, we're here for you." And I thought, and, it was and, that,
7: a- and that's the only tell. If if Roman if if they're like Roman's heel and he's with Gallows and Anders, I mean, it makes no sense because they've already beaten each other up. Right. But the Usos' kind of reaction to Roman lately is like the one thing that might point you in that direction.
5: It is. And, you know, when when they're like, hey, uh, sometimes it takes all to to help the one or whatever the quote was. And Roman arrogantly, I mean, like over the top, sometimes it takes the one to help the all. I'm like, who the F do you think you are? <laughs> it's like you got some people willing to help you. And you're like, hey, I can help you. You can't help me. It's like yeah. I, if he's not turning heel, he is the most tone deaf character. And he gets blamed. The writers get blamed. Vincent McMahon gets blamed whoever is all contributing, and Roman's part of it. He's not just a puppet. I mean, because he should, as a top guy getting a top push, earning seven figures, every top guy who's gotten a top push earning seven figures speaks up when they're asked to do something stupid. And Roman clearly isn't aware or not showing the gumption to speak up. If he's a babyface and he's going, it takes the one to help the all sometimes. It just was such a weird statement. He's, it's just, he's just so boneheaded in his statements and it's not just the writers because when he's speaking extemporaneously on these media interviews and says boneheaded stuff so i don't know i just i still don't have faith in a guy who doesn't have any instinct about how to come across in any any way that feels authentic unless his character is being a d-bag and (laughs) i think he's authentic in that way um yes he is yeah i mean i'm sorry It's, it's it's i'm not being mean, or I just I didn't come up with a term, but it's come up organically enough on the program. That's in emails. Like, people, people email me and they're like, Oh, yeah, my wife just walked in and there was Roman. And she's like, Who's that D bag? <laughs> he's like, Oh, he's a top babyface in the company. And she's like, What? That guy? You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to. You know, he's the guy at the bar who I don't know. It's just, yeah.
7: I was hoping that whole one and all thing would just keep going because they lost me right away with them. Like whatever. I don't even know. I, I didn't even stop to like, what does it mean? I don't care. Um, but I, I was just hoping it would be like and Metallica wrote one and they had an album called Justice for All and they just keep going back and forth working one and all for like in the next 15 <laughs> minutes.
5: Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Did you know that through Patreon, you can get this show with the ads and plugs removed for just $4.99 a month and enjoy our podcasts on whatever podcast app you're using or directly through the Patreon app. Check out full details at patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. Wipe away the ads. To the Wade Keller podcast, post shows, and PW Torch daily casts. That's fourteen pro wrestling podcasts per week with the ads and plugs removed for just four dollars and ninety nine cents per month. Support us and enjoy a streamlined listening experience. Uh, up next, I want to get t- uh, to these emails. Uh, Chrisco seventy one says i think randy orton will come out next monday on raw in st louis to challenge roman with orton as a heel roman still as a babyface. this is the emailer of the day because he's a vip member of the torch and a dot member um uh jason uh john cena coming back in a month but could randy orton make a big splash in st louis and what is the latest you've heard on his timeline for a return i think i think it feels a little too soon but i can't remember the last i heard
7: yeah, I mean you just never know because I mean I, he, first he made it seem like he might at the Hall of Fame, he made it seem like he might surprise people at WrestleMania. And then I think in the, like the same interview maybe it it sounded like he was like two or three months away and but even when, you know, it's WWE, so if they tell you somebody's two three months away, you kind of assume okay, they're one to two months away. So I I don't know. I mean, if you're okay, if you want him to return as a heel, do you do it in St. Louis?
5: <sighs> Good point. Um, if you, well, yes, because Vince McMahon wants every excuse in the world for Roman to get booed when he should be cheered. <laughs> so he's going to have Orton come back and turn heel. And as an excuse for Roman not getting cheered and Orton not getting booed, he wants to do it in St. Louis.
7: Yeah. You know, and, and the idea, I mean, it's come up, believe me, people have mentioned every possible scenario of who could be leading these guys. And Orton's name has come up. I, and I think we've talked about it even uh, it, at the last time I was on the show. I think it was basically resettled in on, yeah, it helps Orton. doesn't really help anyone else. But it, it'd be good for Orton. It would be bad for WWE. Yeah.
5: Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see what we got next. I know you um, want to work some
7: TNA talking. I
5: think you mentioned you, that, too. You, I will of- at the end. Yeah, a couple okay. WWE ones first here. I'm just kind of picking between a couple, um, trying to avoid topics that we ended up getting to, basically. Yeah. Um, Adam with two D's—that's kind of cool. Adam A.
7: Like Gary with two R's. Gary Shanley.
5: Ah, uh, this is this is more unique. Come on, A D D A M—I've never heard of that. No, I haven't either. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just a typo, and he just went with it. Um, Anyway, he says, finally we get an amazing Owens and uh, Sami Zayn, Zayn vignette. It took a while, but now we know everything we need about both guys. Got to admit, WWE video packages are top-notch. Can't wait. Hopefully this feud continues. Um, but he says, I love the Miz-, Miz and Cesaro feud. I may be the minority, but Miz is so entertaining. A great heel. Awesome promo guy. Definitely good for Cesaro to work with him. What do you think? Um, I'm a fan of Miz and Maurice right now, Jason.
7: I, you know, I am. I, I don't need the Intercontinental title to be involved in that. I I like what they're doing. I, I, well, I go back and forth. There's the, the movie quotes get a little silly. Um, I, I like when it's, you know, I think she definitely enhances his act. Uh, I, I, I like that they're giving Miz, trying to give him a little more in ring credibility, but I think they need to be consistent with it. I don't think it should involve AJ Styles on him, you know, the week before he's about to challenge for the title. I mean, think about that. If you don't know yeah. AJ Styles, you're watching him go fifteen minutes with the Miz. No come on, seriously? Yeah. But um it's you know, I, I like the AJ interview, the Miz, the, the Miz TV segment on SmackDown, I thought was well done. Um, so there's there's elements of this. Like I wouldn't say it's helping Cesaro any to work with Miz. If they, I mean, they may be looking at this like it's a transitional thing. You get the IC title on Cesaro. He brings some credibility to it. Fine. I can't say I'm excited though. Wade, about the idea of Cesaro being in the IC title picture. I, I just I'm ready for him to be more than that.
5: What do you think of Cesaro coming out? With the sunglasses the suit um almost feels like a 007 type of entrance Yeah, and then he's a little bit of i thought of paul newman a little bit kind of cool and tough got a grin but don't cross me um i've got some people on twitter and email not liking it but i got some people who do like it i like it i mean cesaro's a little quirky um we saw that uh you know prior to wwe with claudio what what do you think of? Have they has he found his kind of lane to be uh, upper mid Carter and maybe grow after this, or is this a limiting gimmick or a bad fit for him?
7: I, I think it's kind of limiting, but I'm enjoying it. You know, I, I guess maybe I just need to be resigned to the fact that they don't see him as a main event guy, and I just don't know that that's going to change. And, and I you know I can't help it like last night. He starts talking and, eh, you know, it's not main event good. There's still something with him on the mic that isn't there. I I think the best path for him, screw this Cesaro section stuff, turn this guy heel. And and, and I think they could stick with the whole 007 look, and I think it would would actually work as a heel act, too. I, I think that's where he's going to be most successful. I just... I know there's like this grassroots kind of thing for Cesaro that they're trying to tap into, but I, I don't feel like they're doing it with the 007 look. I, I, and I don't feel like I, I don't feel like it's something that's going to be main event. So I, I just say get him heal, and you know, I, I, if you could get the guy the right mouthpiece, it would be great. There's just there is you know, it's it's not because he's too Swiss, but Vince is mm-hmm. right. There is something missing from that act.
5: Yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm on board with where they are right now. Um, and I'm interested to see where it goes and I'm not sure where it goes, but I I think, I I think sunglasses, the suit taking his time, walking out, um, and working with Miz, I think all works right now. And I guess we just kind of got to see where, where it goes from here. Um, I, I've certainly been more pessimistic at times and I think they're giving him a chance and now we, we get to see if he can step up and, uh, and earn a bigger chance. Okay. Uh, Martin from uh, Sheffield, UK, VIP for Life, says, I've been waiting to discuss this for a while. The topic just came up on Facebook. I thought I'd share the comment I posted. The common logic discussed on many podcasts, including The Torch, is that there are two types of fans, casual and internet, or whatever term you want to use for that, ardent or otherwise. And that Vince McMahon wants to attract a larger casual audience that will likely fawn over Roman Reigns and John Cena and the internet fans are the thorn in his side who boo roman and john and are generally dissatisfied with the current product but subscribe to the network and watch nxt and old starcades <laughs> however the situation is more nuanced than that if there's only two camps of fans there's little chance all those boos roman gets can be from the internet fans there's a massive group of people in between the two extremes who were fans 5 10 15 20 years ago and who now watch a few pay-per-views maybe a couple raws a year who go to raw when it's in town and who want to like the product more except they don't um, and they get enough of what they see when they tune in every week or go to the or get the network. Um, they're smart enough to see straight through Roman Reigns, but that doesn't mean they all unsocial that they're all unsociable nerds who live in their parents' basements and don't shower. Hey, where did that come from? And they have no idea who these NXT call ups are or what the Bullet Club is. And so there's very little in the product for them because currently the product largely caters to the two commonly discussed audience groups. That is the audience WWE needs to win back. The in between the in betweeners. Those who identify as being driven away by Cena and the PG era, but aren't following it close enough to know who the Bullet Club are. Thanks. Keep up the good work, um, as ever. Uh, yeah, I think I think he's onto something there. I, I sort of, in so many words, kind of thought that's who I was in. Maybe he said it better than I did, that they're missing with this AJ push. Um, that the there's a huge group out there who just are willing to like and embrace AJ, the way they did Punk or Dana Bryan, but they just, they didn't follow his backstory enough. They don't know who he is, but they're not right. the, the ones who are buying Roman merchandise and getting in line to find out what, what the color of the month is that John Cena is going to come out with. Um, well, and with AJ, I don't think he's cool enough
7: to where, if you're
5: late to the party, like
7: I'm sure many people were with CM Punk, you know, it's not like there were that many people, all of the WWE was following Ring of Honor, but there's a cool factor to Punk. So even if you're late to it, people are reacting to it, you get caught up in it too. I don't think that's there for AJ Styles in, in 2016.
5: Uh, yeah. I mean, that that could be the hard reality for AJ fans to accept that it, he might in the WWE universe not be equipped to be the guy who can get himself over on the three-hour show where he's going to have to stand on a pla- I mean, I'm sure he was standing on a platform backstage sure. talking, to, talking to Roman and... It just—I mean, there's just there's things about AJ that aren't Daniel Bryan. And yeah, he's
7: he's likable, but he's not cool, and yeah, there's not that we we you know there's not this demand for AJ like there was Daniel Bryan.
5: Right. Yeah. No, it's interesting, but I I think I think Mar's onto something for sure. I think there's a huge huge middle group of fans that WWE needs to win back the Arden fans. You know, because I mean, WWE sometimes says, "Oh, we're going to have those Arden fans anyways." Um, you know, no matter what, they're going to complain sometimes and boo, but they're going to pay. And then you got the casual, the the well, I won't say casual, but the, the and it sounds mean to call them the lemmings, um, the the rubes, the ones who are just pro WWE and to a fault and are going to buy what they're whatever they're presented with. Um, but there's that vast middle ground that want a cool product. And it has to ca- capture their attention, but they're not going to know the whole backstory of Owens and Sammy. They're not going to know um, when somebody walks through the curtain um, who's who's earned that spot and who hasn't. They don't know uh, Apollo Crews' background um, enough to know whether they should cheer him or not. And that's where the Bellwether fans can be real vocal and lead the way, but the rest of themselves have to earn that vast m- middle group you know middle america the flyover fans whatever you want to call them um that, that is true wwe needs to go after them and, and they do as as martin i think put well they see through roman they see through reigns and if those fans aren't buying reigns and they show up and they boo him because that's kind of the thing to do and they look and go yeah i don't like this guy i'm gonna boo too um wwe has to deal with them.
4: aloha torch faithful this is kelly wells host of pwt talks nxt every thursday you can hear me and my gang of idiots tom stout who shares thoughts from the live tapings and torch recapper nate Lindbergh, as well as a rotating cast of guests cover the matches and events in nxt live on usa network search pw torch in apple podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Cheers!
5: All right, there. Okay, oh, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Please.
7: Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, there's there are times over the years when the, the the diehard fan i've just kind of rolled my eyes at some of the opinion like you got to push this guy over this guy oh, my god and it's like but that guy's working right now i do feel like the Arden fan is more in tune with what i think will work if it's pushed properly and, and i don't yeah. know that they're pushing Bullet club or, or different acts properly at this point i you know i, I kind of was talking through something with uh, the the whole Bullet Club thing on Q&A yesterday just a kind of stream of consciousness thing, want to run it by you we complain and, and longtime Bullet Club fans complain that they're not telling the whole story, they're not doing this, they're not doing that if you're a casual viewer has anyone stopped to kind of sit back and look at it from the true casual viewer's eye where they've been told these guys were friends in Japan, there's a friendship there they may not know the whole history, but is that enough? I mean, is it, is it enough to say that, yeah, these guys know each other? I mean, it, it's, they're leaving some things out, but I don't know that they're presenting in a way where it's all that confusing if you, if you don't know the history.
5: I'm trying to think of a specific example. I was watching on WWE Network of an old show, and it was a while back, but it was oh, – it's probably super obvious and I'm forgetting. But somebody showed up, and the announcer said, oh, yeah. These two, they go way back. You know, the, the a new guy showed up, and the storyline was, oh yeah, these two knew each other in this other territory. You know, they hung out in Florida or in New York or yeah. Minneapolis or whatever. And the announcers told the story. The announcers had credibility, and the and it was part of the storyline. It was built in. I God, it just I'm, I'm sure there's a dozen examples, and you know, you could pull of when that was done when wrestlers would go from territory to territory, and they'd instantly establish. It. So, I mean, that's why I say NXT is old school. I mean, they do stuff that worked. Um, and still can. And and WWE's doing it, I think with Bullet Club and Styles. I think it I, I think it's enough to just say, "Hey, these guys were friends in New Japan." Boom. All right. There's a history there. I don't know all the details, but I'm intrigued. Let's see what happens. I think it's it's a short-term setup that's necessary for what they're doing Sunday. And it's I think I think it is enough to to say that. They don't need video footage and they're they're the fans who don't know now they know. And the fans that did know are being honored and having that history that, they're, that they experienced and watched be acknowledged in the universe that in the narrative that WWE presents.
7: Yeah, I don't know that they're going over the heads of the casual viewers with the way they've approached it. Right. By, by just you know, if you start to work in too much talk about things they've done before, well, then you may. But if you just kind of leave it simple that there's history with these guys in Japan. I think that's simple enough that a casual viewer goes, okay, I know that now. And if they want to take the time to look it up online, they can, but they can still follow the story just knowing that basic information.
5: And it feels authentic. You know, I mean, uh, if they just made it up and people knew better, I just don't know that that would work. Right. Um, you know, if, if AJ showed up and the Usos were like, hey, AJ, oh, good old friend of ours, way back down when we trained together or up in Calgary. It's like, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> None of that's true. None of it lines up with anything we know. What? This is stupid. Um, you know, that's what's, you know... Th- You know, When people are like, oh, I don't, you you get this so much. Like, oh, everybody knows wrestling's fake and scripted. Who cares if anyone's consistent on social media about it? You know, we all know they're just playing a role. And it's like, wrestling's different. I can watch actors show up on a TV show and some guest actor shows up in playing a character on a sitcom or a drama, and they can invent a history out of whole cloth that has nothing to do with who the real person is, and it's totally acceptable. Of course it's fine. But in pro wrestling, it's not. Pro wrestling is different. And it's different in that there, th- it is more connected to the real world. There's it's a it's a weave of a narrative, that yes, okay, Isaac Yankum and Kane have no narrative connection. There's exceptions like that, but most guys play themselves, even if they're given a name by Dusty Rhodes, they're still playing themselves. Authent- they're, oh, they're- I hated that. <laughs> yes, I did too. Um, I think that. Most guys are playing as Vince McMahon himself said, amped up versions of themselves. There's part of who they are, and we turn up the volume. And it's the best way to put it. And that's what's missing for Bray Wyatt doing the zany Edge and Christian show before an official babyface turn. It's just so toned out for him. The Wyatt family ringing the bell on Wall Street. It's like he's sh- that character. there sh- we should Protected. have been what's that? Protected. That's Protect Protected. We should have been led to believe that Bray Wyatt went off the deep end at some point in developmental and allude to it. Give us a story to believe in there was, you know, and don't, you don't have to say Husky Harris, you can, you know, kind of dog whistle it. You can say something that some fans will get without over explaining to those who don't know, but go, there was a time where Bray Wyatt, you know, was thought to be on, on a course in WWE, uh, to be just another, you know, another wrestler with, you know, who might, you know, contend for a title someday or tag team or whatever. And then he disappeared for a few months and they came back and, 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 he had this different attitude and he didn't talk to his dad in the same way and started hanging out with a different crowd and then do everything you can to be consistent with that and that includes not putting him on Wall Street to ring a bell and not putting him on The Edge and Christian Show to read story time books or whatever the hell he's doing that I'm not going to watch Sunday night or didn't watch last night I guess Uh, the cartoon debut Sunday night Um, I will watch that actually what? The, the cartoon? Oh, no, I meant I won't watch Edge and Christian.
7: <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I didn't even realize that they had Bray on there. That's terrible.
5: It was in the promo last night for it. They showed Bray. It was like, you know, reading a, a children's story or something. Edge and Christian were doing zany stuff behind him. Oh, them. I God. Don't know. It, it looked just awful. So, yeah, I, the the idea of, of bringing something authentic into it is, is it's not unique to pro wrestling, but it's I think it's it's absolutely, like, part of the fabric of what pro wrestling is. I mean, you, you want there to be that authenticity, and I think it works to bring that up. Okay, we'll uh, close with this. Um, uh, TNA, uh, and we'll, we'll start with a question from Joe G here from Mercerville, New Jersey. If TNA changes owners and its name to become a different wrestling company is the tv contract with pop tv now cancelled or at the very least something that has to be renegotiated two do you think bobby rude will keep his name when he debuts on nxt yes how about putting the non-suspended member of the ascension victor into the social outcasts without the makeup and possibly give him a reboot and since nxt wrestlers have been coming up to the main roster can we expect any talent releases in the immediate future um, let's save tna for last jason uh, but will rude keep his name
7: yeah, I mean they they already acknowledged him as Bobby Roode on on yep. the the television on the uh, live special. So yeah, I'd be surprised if he didn't.
5: Yeah, I, and and he's too old. It's his
7: given name, so it's not yeah. like there's any TNA hang up there.
5: And he's too old to repackage. I mean, it's right. not like oh, the thing holding him back was his name, and if we just call him, you know, uh, Venus the uh, Venus the very magnificent something or other, and that's going to be the key to us. I mean, no, it's just Bobby <laughs> right. Roode. Um, yeah, I mean, putting Victor in a social outcast maybe. Could work. I think the ascension. No, nothing with the social outcast is ever going to work. Look, just well, it stop. Doesn't, no, no, nothing with social outcast is going to matter. <laughs> right? so. On. But nothing with the ascension is going to matter either. So it's 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 small change either way. Right. Uh, any talent releases with all the NXT call ups?
7: It's about that time of year traditionally, but yeah. I mean, they seem to be using most people. Um, I mean, we've seen. Big Show and Kane disappear from TV, which is a good thing. You know, you're trying to get over the the new era, and those are guys that when they come on, just they're they're so stale, but they're using them on house shows. They're not going to get rid of those guys. I'd I'd be stunned. Um, I'm just trying to think of guys they're not really using. I mean, I I don't feel great for The Ascension and Adam Rose giving the suspensions and and Rose teasing that he was going to say more about it than ever doing it. You know, I don't know what the future holds for those guys. I mean, even you know, the social outcasts are the social outcasts. They seem to serve some purpose. They get used as enhancement, you know, glorified enhancement guys. And so, I I mean, Goldust, R-Truth have their thing going. I mean, there's there are a few women I think they could probably get by without. But everyone else seems to have some sort of a purpose. And I, I may be forgetting some that show up on Superstars and Main Event. But I don't think they're you – know, I don't know. Could they get rid of five, six people? Yeah, I think they could. But – I don't get the feeling like it's just obvious that it's
0: imminent.
5: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either.
0: Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Wrestling Paradise at Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the U.S., Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the ProRest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise.
5: All right, so um latest on tna jason we'll wrap up with this um you know we, we the torch been kind of laying low a little bit on some of this because there's a lot going on behind the scenes and i think some i don't know if it's wrong information but stuff blown out of proportion and there's weird weird reasons some things might be done in terms of ownership and all that i i don't I, if tna has new ownership and changes their name which are you know two things that could happen but that's a big leap i don't think it would affect the pop tv contract um I think that part of the owners, what what is valuable about TNA is that contract, and I don't yeah. think Pop TV would have any reason to be against the rebranding, especially if Impact is still part of the name. But what what's the latest you're hearing, and, and is there any conventional wisdom out there that, that you would dispute in terms of what's going on? Um, You know, I mean, Dixie at the tapings,
7: John Gaborik still very much in charge. Um, one of the Harris twins was there, one of them was not, which was people didn't know why because i think it was don who was there and ron who wasn't and ron usually is but could be nothing um it uh i i guess you know the the that that company they work for arrow luck i think is how it is how it's pronounced is certainly the one that's getting the most play i keep you know for whatever reason, i have somebody that just keeps bringing up fight network and its parent company to me and i i don't I mean, it's not something I'm hearing consistently elsewhere. Someone else was aware of it. I don't know if it was as simple as they went to them to try to get them to buy a percentage of the company and they weren't interested. But, I mean, I have people saying that, no, they, they're they actually interested in buying the majority control of the company. But, I mean, it's just, it's not getting a whole lot of uh, discussion uh, outside of those couple of people. So I'm not sure where that stands. I mean, Dixie, it, it sure sounds like she needs cash. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. she they moved to the warehouse and, um, you know, talent is leaving again. I, I don't, you know, velvet sky leaving. I don't see that as Bobby Roode just left. And, and Eric Young just left. I see that as she has a boyfriend who works for WWE. And I know people in, in TNA without knowing officially kind of suspect that she's hoping to get in there. You know, maybe as part of the Dudley's act somehow, some way. Um, but so I, I didn't see that as like, Oh, another cost cutting move or anything like that. um, I mean, it's just, it seemed like it was, they didn't hold a talent meeting, which I think is ridiculous. Um, I don't know. I mean, there were people told before the shows, you know, via via email or whatever that, you know, just ignore the distractions and blah, blah, blah. But you would think there would be some sort of a, uh, of a meeting Um, as far as like people behind the scenes, morale, you know, it's just people are numb to it now so when you hear reports about bad morale i mean i'm sure you know some people are, are unhappy new guys happy to be there is what i'm told and then the, the the guys that have been there for a while they've been there and done this they're just they're getting numb to it do they they don't get as outraged anymore when the company doesn't handle it properly because there's a, a history of it and they almost expect it now and so it's just they kind of roll their eyes and go about their business and. and perform the best shows they can um so i mean that's i mean that that's basically the latest i've heard it, it just yeah. uh i don't think there's been any there certainly hasn't been any official move made there's no ownership sale or anything that i'm aware of
5: right no and and that's the thing i mean the idea of the harris brothers company buying it it's like this it's, it's not like another panda energy it's it's right. not like cbs saying we're all in we see this is you know, something we can really do something with, and they don't know where to start, so they want to start with something um, that's established, some TV deals and all that. It's just, it's not, it's either got to be a big deal or it's just buying a little bit of time. Um, and I oh, don't and I,
7: I've heard the name of a real estate developer, and if somebody put it to me, it just sounds like, you know, with, without knowing much about the real estate, guy, I won't even name his name. It just sounds like, one money mark, buying it from another money mark and, you know, look out.
5: That, that's the thing. I mean, th- this is, everybody I think agrees what Dixie wants is someone who's going to give more money to her to spend with her still in charge. Um, so she wants an investor that will allow her to continue to be on TV, be the face of the company, the face of management for the company, and, and have whatever success that they have be credited to her saving the day once again, pulling a rabbit out of the hat, keeping it alive, keeping the show on the air, and, and waiting and hoping for something to break in their favor that will make it sustainable. That's plan A. And the question is, how many things can she sell on eBay to keep payroll going? Um, I use that figuratively, but you know, how many, th- how, how can she make ends meet by selling off her assets on eBay to keep the right. show on the air and the TV tapings going and some rest of showing up until that happens? The B plan is when that is, when they run out of that or a really good offer comes along, that's good luck with that. Impossible to, to, yeah, it's impossible to turn down. Then, um, then, you know, if, if literally there's just no hope, then you hope that there's somebody to pick it up so she can say, we've handed it off into good hands. Um, and, you know, she moves on to run for city council of Schittsville. Um, or Schitt's Creek, excuse me. Um, spoiler alert. And so, I, you know, I mean, I don't think there's a lot to buy. But if, yeah, if, if Fight Network or a real estate mogul or CBS themselves decided to fund a lot of money in it, Then and they rebranded it, and you know, I mean, I don't think that would affect the Pop TV deal. I I just,
7: Uh, well, you would you would think they would have that discussion before they would buy it. They'd want to make sure that deal was in place.
5: Oh, absolutely, it's a big part of it. So uh, I guess my my take is there's not. uh, This is the thing. There's not enough at stake at this point for it to be a big story. I mean, I hate to say it. It doesn't mean don't you know don't cover it and follow it and care about it. But it's TNA. They're they're giving a payday every couple months to a dozen people who can't make a living off of it. There's a few people who have nice contracts who may or may not be getting paid on that. And they're being seen by a handful, several hundred thousand people on a network most people haven't heard of, but should, because Shit's Creek is really good. <laughs> um, and, but but it's, it's just, whether TNA in its current state ceases to exist or goes on in its current format is not particularly consequential. It's just, it's not, this is not where they were during the Money I This is not where they even were two years ago when it was, oh, will they stay on Spike or not? Um, it's just, it's, it's whittled away to such a small thing that it's only the fact that it's been around so long uh, and that there's some people who listen to us and follow us who still are, you know, watch it weekly and care about it. The, the narrative continuing and continuing to exist that it's a big deal but from a revenue generating standpoint from a wrestler employment standpoint from a creating and exposing and developing new stars standpoint because what they work a few tv matches every two months it's just i mean it just is not a big deal um the big deal is if somebody big comes along and takes it to the next level it's not a big deal if they get strung along for six more months
7: yeah, I, you know, it, it's sad because I, I do enjoy the product now this year more yep. than I have maybe, well, it, certainly in years, if not ever. I, I've enjoyed watching some of the new talent, and 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 the storylines are certainly more cohesive than they used to be, and there, there's things to like about it. But, yeah, I mean, the company runs their business out of a warehouse, you know, and it's – and I'm not even taking a shot. It's just that's the state of the company. They they don't even have a real office at this point. And there will be some good people that if this thing, if it doesn't work out, that will lose their jobs. There'll be others that, well, probably should have lost it years ago because you weren't qualified to, to do what you're trying to do anyway. Uh, but yeah, from a wrestler standpoint i think the cream will rise to the top the guys who have who are doing well in tna will land elsewhere and it may end up in more lucrative positions even and then some of the newer talent it gets them a little visibility and and maybe that helps them get in somewhere else too or again the cream rises to the top maybe they're they're just they're not going to get anything out of it, and it's. I mean, I, I hope that it sticks around. But yeah, I mean, it's it's in, it's an interesting story to follow, and, and Dixie Carter is an interesting person to follow. That's yeah. for sure. Um, sometimes for all the wrong reasons, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not a make or break industry story. That's for sure.
5: Yeah, I mean, I wish it was a bigger deal. I wish that. Yeah. I mean, whether they remained on Spike TV or got a new deal, new TV deal meant monumentally more a year and a half ago than it means now. Whether they play out the rest of their term on Pop or not. I mean, it just—it just—they're yeah, not running house shows. They're barely running pay-per-views. They're not developing talent. They're—they're of they're distant third or fourth to WWE and NXT. Um, I think they're actually really a distant fourth to ROH when it comes. I mean, ROH is still a, a, a talent development system for the industry. They have passionate, ardent fans who support them at live events. They are on national television with a. Phoned-in television show, but it is what yes. it is. And a parent company in Sinclair. There's, I, I if I could only watch one weekly TV show, I'd rather watch TNA than ROH. Yeah. But as a brand continuing to exist and influencing the industry and, and being relevant, it's ROH because I'd rather right. go to an ROH house show than a TNA house show, such as you know through the fantasy if they existed. So they each kind of have their place. But TNA is is the fourth brand. Um, ROH is third. NXT is easily number two right now and uh wwe without any doubt is number one in this country and then you know new japan is 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 doing is making a nice recovery from losing talent but they're not quite what they were a year or two or three ago in terms of uh the the ardent fans who are aware of them but they're in that mix in terms of accessibility on access tv and the new japan streaming network Uh
10: hi this is john arezzi Matt Memories, My Wild Life in Pro Wrestling, Country Music, and with the Mets, is now available everywhere books are sold. Co written by Greg Oliver, Matt Memories is the story of my roller coaster life. Learn the inside stories about my days as the host of the groundbreaking Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show and as the wrestling convention pioneer and deal maker. I hold nothing back. Matt Memories, available now from ECW Press.
5: Where, where do you have them? Like it, not just in the order, but how big of a drop off there is between them? With who? Uh, the companies. WWE number one, and then
7: oh, I mean WWE one by a mile. No. Uh, yeah, miles and miles. And then NXT has established itself as kind of the cool hip brand more so it's it's something ring of honor and tna both should have been able to do and and they failed that ring of honor done a better job than yeah. than tna has done that's for sure uh so but there's a there's certainly a gap you know people with even with just the network and and the uh the you know, hulu and the online distribution there's a buzz about nxt that isn't there for ring of honor you know i i think you can if you asked uh, go to an arena They'll they'll have heard about NXT and and some of it may just be from commercials like we saw last night, uh, but they'll at least be aware of it. You can ask those a lot of those same people, the, the family types about Ring of Honor. Maybe they've seen it. Maybe they happen to be flipping channels. I, I don't think there's as much awareness there, so I think there's a big gap between NXT and Ring of Honor even, and then TNA. I you know Wade, more people may have heard of TNA by this point because of their past exposure. But I'll bet there'd be a lot of people going, oh, they're still around? (laughs) They just wouldn't know, unfortunately. So, yeah, I mean, I think you have the order right at this point, for sure.
5: Yeah. Um, Anything else, wrestling-wise, on your agenda, Jason, that you want to bring up? Um, Gosh,
7: I I think we've pretty much covered everything. I mean, it's just very awkward that Ring of Honor has this uh, pay-per-view coming up, and they're airing – you know the footage from a show that was taped prior to their last television taping and their <laughs> last pay-per-view. I, that Ugh. irritates the hell out of me. I don't know how they let this happen. They have Colt Caban in a main event, and unless they splice in some footage of him... He's not even going to appear on their television show before he headlines their pay-per-view. And so no, I, th- there's still you know, things about Ring of Honor that just really irritate me because I, I know they can be more than they are if they would just get their act together with their television show.
5: No, no. My, my pet theory, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, is they're a mon- money laundering operation <laughs> <laughs> because, because it's like a really poorly run laundromat that doesn't have working machines, doesn't you know, advertise, has lights out on their sign. So it doesn't well, now say- they have
7: really nice lights, though. At that laundromat. Uh,
5: yes, that's true. Well, and and they but they don't run the business in a way that a business interested in making money would run themselves. Right. And it's just there so that somebody can run money through the brand and, and launder it and filter it. But it's really you know dirty money going and, and because they don't run their TV show like a business. I mean, so basically, it's I, I'm not saying that's literally what's happening. Um, I can't be rule it out. I have not investigated that. But um, I, what I'm <laughs> saying is, it's a big insult to them that I think that they do such a poor job with that TV show that it's actually, a, 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 it makes more sense that they're a money laundering operation than a competent wrestling company in that category. They do some things well, but that TV show continues to be a head scratcher. Um, it just doesn't seem like it would be. That difficult, and I just think there's no. They don't get any kind of actual feedback in terms of ratings or or being held accountable by Sinclair management. There's just no metrics that gives them an incentive to do things other than the path of least resistance, the way they've done it. That fills that hour. It is what it is, and they judge themselves more on other things. And they can still draw with their their legacy fans and their ardent fan base who want to go see uh, a really good intimate you know n- nightclub type of armory you know in intense atmosphere uh live wrestling experience and nxt is stealing a lot of that from them in terms of the exclusivity at that but that's still what they hang their hat on and they've got some great talent i mean it's it's a good lineup the yes. pay-per-view probably be good to very good to excellent you know but um yeah that tv show is a head scratcher so you know I it would I would I would have more respect for them if it was a money if they're, if in some, for some reason it was a money laundering scheme because at least that would explain why they don't use their TV show to sell their pay per views.
7: I, I can't wait to see the news with the Z headline later tonight.
5: Oh yeah, I know, I know. Wade I,
7: Keller reports.
5: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So are the Wild uh, Minnesota Wild? This is when people can hang up or to, not hang up, but you know, push off if you don't care. But Minnesota sports, yeah, oh, we got a little go. sports chat here for sure. Are the Wild going to have a uh, a new coach, or does uh, Torch come back? Um, it's like you know, I have a friend named Siri, and she you know was pissed off when people yeah. named the voice recognition Siri. It's like, oh sure, you know, because that's all anybody thinks about when they get introduced to her, and and it didn't used to be that, and and so now with like Torch, it's like if he sticks around. You know, here in Minnesota, people hear "torch" and Jason, they think Wade Keller.
7: Of course, yeah, I, everyone.
5: Yeah, but now with Torchetti and his name being the torch, he's kind of stealing it from me. You know, the Wild are pretty popular in this town, so there's part of me that just for my branding hopes he goes away because I don't like this confusion um, in the marketplace. But do, do you think they uh, they stick with him, or is he a little too blue collar, minor league, um, and not you know considered that highbrow? coach that that can get them to the next level
7: i'm guessing they kind of see what's available I and mean, for all i know they know what their next move is already and this really was an interim thing and, and with the plan of bringing in someone fresh next year but i'm, I'm guessing they kind of wait and see what's there uh, they, they kind of ride this out a little bit see if a certain you know if they have a coach in mind that is with another team or an assistant something like that i you know i, I think so much of it just kind of depends on the feedback they get within the locker room, too, how they responded to him. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's been in their system for a while, so I i guess it wouldn't surprise me either way, but they need something. I mean, it's just this was supposed to be the year, you know, and, and yeah, they had the—they were swept by the Hawks last year, but they also beat the Blues in the first round, and um, they, they had the same talent back by and large, and, and you had Dubnik for a whole year this was supposed to be a big step forward and it's not losing to the stars in the first round that bothers me even though the goal was in and a picture shows it. It it, Honestly, that didn't even bother me because it was, the only thing that irked me about that was that they really rushed through the replay. I'm like, that's it? You're done already? On that play? That shocked me. But I mean, We may have lost that game in overtime. So I'm not even bothered by that. But it was the regular season. It was just another slump. And and I mean, it's just the same story with them over and over again. And this year, you know, it used to be the Wild were the the good guys, the the overachieving, scrappy team. And now it feels like it's kind of the, the script has been reversed where. They're a little bit underachieving, and they don't get along. And you, know, you start hearing stories about Parisi and Suter making life kind of miserable for the, the previous head coach. And it's like, that's not what I want from the wild. Okay. And so you know, changes need to be made somehow, some way.
5: Would you, with full 2020 hindsight, not sign Suter or Parisi based on strictly the con- looking at the totality of the contracts and how handcuffed the team is now?
7: I think they had to do something. So yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I do think I make that move. I, I, I looking back, I don't bring in Vanek. Um, that was an expensive mistake. Uh, they, I mean, they had they just had no identity before, and I don't know enough about hockey salary cap to know how much that. Move crippled them, but I just I'll never forget that July 4th. I yeah. mean, there was a buzz just yeah. you know, traveling around town, people so excited, and there was just this renewed interest in the wild that was starting to wane, and people were so fired up about it. So, I think they brought a lot of good to the team. Um, I just, you know, I, I hope that they don't just think they're bigger than the team. And, and I don't know enough about the story to know if that's the case. I never got well, it. Sounds got like that Suter vibe. does, but this sounds like who does? Suter. Maybe and that's a shame. You know, I never got that vibe from Parisi and all the. I don't know if it was just the image was well protected, but that yeah. whole story about bringing in another coach to I work know. on their power play in front of their head coach. I'm like, really? Yeah. I, you know that you just don't do that. That was tacky. And you know, I, for all we know, the last coach was a pain in the backside. But I, I thought he did some good things. You know, I, I thought he did really well with them in the playoffs. And but I don't know enough about the coaching aspect of hockey either to know that. Well, if they had a different coach, they might have been this much better.
5: Yeah. Okay. Um, in an hour and 10 minutes, uh, a new era for the Timberwolves begins. Yeah. Uh, with a press conference with our new coach, Tibbs, uh, Tom Thibodeau, whose last name is Thibodeau, but his nickname is Tibbs. Right. Um, which we're all learning. But uh, so far, just impressed as hell with what I've read and heard about him and from him. Could he just
7: change his name to Thibodeau? I mean, come on.
5: <laughs> I know, he kind of should. Um, so, I mean, the Wolves, is is he enough to get you. To uh, to to watch opening night and a couple weeks of wolves basketball next fall.
7: He alone? No. He combined with the nucleus they have. Yeah, you know, I, I will pay attention. I mean, I'll I will get there. I don't have every intention of doing it. And then the wild will be playing too. And uh, you know, with the work schedule, who knows? But yeah, I intend to. I mean, that that's my plan is to keep an eye on this team because they do have. A good young talent and now a coach that people are really excited about. I And I heard I'm guessing you probably heard the same interview with that Chicago Sun Times writer on uh local radio host yep. Dan Barrero Show. Yep. I mean I I thought he was in love with with him i mean seriously I mean, <laughs> yeah this going on about how he's the yep. belichick of the nba and just going crazy and actually had somebody write me uh, a, a member because i i told that story on on q a yesterday and like all right he's not that he's a really good defensive-minded coach though yeah. um so but yeah i mean it's just it sounds like things are finally trending the right way it kind of feels like you know I'm, not that i i liked flip a lot but it just sounds like the glenn taylor country club has we've, we've moved on from that. You know, we're not getting a bunch of recycled Timberwolves assistants as head coaches. And, and so it looks like things have finally changed.
5: Uh, do the Vikings get a wide receiver? Uh, you know, I, I am
7: so behind on the draft. I use the draft basically to kind of catch up. I'm like you, yeah. I, I, I can watch the go first football college football team, but that's it. I'm just not yeah. a college football guy. And usually, you know, when I worked at Fanball, it was my job to cover it. And so I kind of got into learning more about the players before the draft now, just busy enough that I kind of use the draft. So, I, I, I mean, they need one just looking at the roster. They certainly need one. But um, so, yeah, somewhere, whether it's the first round or uh, you know, later in the draft, they, they try to hit on a, a second round or third round guy. We'll see. But they, they definitely need one. But they, they also need a safety really, really bad. I don't know enough about the free agent that they brought in. But yeah. that was a real weak point in that defense.
5: Now, I know you're not a big soccer guy, but are you going to be at the soccer game in August at the new U.S. Bank Stadium? um who's playing i don't even know do do you
7: care no Uh, i mean i i have come around to watching like the the world cup and not just you know like when the u.s is playing yeah with the time zone it's it's been on during the day so i can just kind of kind of like the twins It's nice to have on in the background but i'm not watching intently or anything yeah but to go to it the appeal to me would be going to the stadium more than going to watch it whoever's playing
5: well and and i ask just cuz it's like the one affordable way to get into the building for to see the new stadium i'm
7: holding out hope that guns N' roses is coming here it won't be that affordable but <laughs> i'd love for that to be my first stadium
5: experience all right that makes sense too i'll probably go to the soccer game i want to see the i want to see the the stadium but i, I don't know that necessarily that given what how tough tickets are going to be to get this fall um
7: Oh, you not have an in? Everyone in the state knows the torch. I mean, you had an in at Target Center, you had an inn at the X. <laughs> you don't have an in at US Bank Stadium.
5: <laughs> I actually don't at this point. So,
7: and and the guy who runs it worked for WWE. Shame on you, Wade Keller.
5: I know, I know. Well, I want to be one of the first ones in that building, though, too. Oh, and, and that'd it's be been great. Fun driving by and seeing it, it go up. It's quite a structure. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be
7: the one year preseason tickets for the Vikings will be hard oh, to come
5: by. I know, absolutely, absolutely. All right, I gotta go. Jason, good to talk to you. Absolutely. It's been fun. Yep. Uh, thanks, uh, VIP members and.NET members. And on behalf of Jason Powell, this is Wade Keller signing off for today. We're now on Patreon. That's right, you can support us and get benefits at patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. We have three tiers, $4.99, $6.99, and $9.99. The first tier gives you all the Wade Keller progressing Podcasts and Post Shows and the PW Torch Daily Casts with the ads and plugs removed. That membership tier also includes the VIP after shows that on occasion we put on extended versions for VIP members at the end of the Wade Keller shows and daily casts. And it's compatible with the Apple Podcast app and any other third-party podcast app out there, or you can stream the shows directly from your Patreon app or the Patreon website. Or you can upgrade to Tier 2 for two extra dollars a month and add the Wade Keller hotline to the mix, a daily podcast just for VIP members who support us. Or you can upgrade to Tier 3 and get... All the Wade Keller podcasts and post shows and daily casts with the ads and plugs removed and the VIP after shows and the Wade Keller hotlines, plus all the other VIP exclusive podcasts and a PDF and all text version of the weekly Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter and a 20 years ago Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter every week. Full details on how to support us and get so much in return with three different tiered options at patreon.com slash You can still support us directly on our website and get the full VIP benefits for $9.99 a month by going to pwtorch.com slash govip. That has not changed. This is just an additional option for those of you who are familiar with and like supporting creators on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. Hey, if you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. You get about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade color post-shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members, plus tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post-pay-per-view roundtables dating back to... Late 2004. Also, access to our full archives, thousands of podcasts, over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter that started it all, Add free access to our website, and more. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign up form. It's mobile friendly, desktop friendly. In two minutes, you can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com. Apple Podcast Compatibility, new with PW Torch VIP podcasts in 2021. If you're an iPhone user and you want a simple way to access our full VIP podcast library as new podcasts come out every day, we have good news. New in 2021, single click compatibility with Apple Podcasts native app on iPhone, CarPlay, your iMac or your MacBook Pro laptop. Now, as soon as you sign up and become a VIP member, there's a single click link in your sign up email that will launch PW Torch's VIP podcasts in Apple podcasts. No username, no password to enter. It's as simple as it gets. Go VIP. Find out more information on all the benefits that come with a VIP membership at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. And now we not only accept payments through PayPal, but also a direct credit card or debit card sign up and also through Patreon. On the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, we get right into the top story of the show, or the top talking point. But if you don't have time to watch Raw, Dynamite, or SmackDown, and you'd like to get a rundown of what happened on the show, I record those every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night for VIP members on the Wade Keller Hotline. The every single day Wade Keller Hotline takes on different formats, but after Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, as soon as I wrap up hosting the post show and send it off to the producer, I record the Wade Keller Hotline reviewing Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown start to finish. I'll catch you up on everything that happened. I'll talk about key points in each match, key statements in each promo, and evaluate what I thought worked and didn't work, and add some other observations that don't make it out of the post show. Maybe something an announcer said, something somebody in the audience did, or other... Production notes that jump out to me as I'm watching the show. So go VIP and make following wrestling easier. When you are a VIP member, you can hear the Weight Keller hotline and listen to it as a primer before listening to our post shows. And of course, as a VIP member, the Weight Keller post shows have the ads and plugs edited out for a streamlined listening experience. Go VIP, pwtorch.com slash go VIP. That's PWtorch.com slash go VIP. One of the really cool parts of being a VIP member is getting to relive history through the pages of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues. We have Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters dating back to the late 1980s. We put a new back issue up from 20 years ago that week. And so when you go VIP, you instantly have access to over 1,500 back issues and a new PDF, along with an all-text version, if it's easier for you to read that on your phone, uh, goes up every weekend. And the latest issues include a cover story from the June 10th, 2000 issue, on Goldberg's return to WCW and whether he's a solution to what was ailing WCW at the time. Also, my column titled Vince Russo is from Outer Space and Bruce Mitchell's column, still timely today, unfortunately, of racist gimmicks and poverty pimps was the title. That's issue number 606. B- the week before that, issue number 605 from June 3rd features a cover story that talks about how there could be a shakeup in the wrestling industry with WCW for sale and ECW Having an Uncertain Future, and also a Bruce Mitchell column spoofing Vince Russo titled How I Became World Champion. If we go back another week to the May 27th, 2000 issue, it had detailed coverage of the Judgment Day 2000 pay-per-view, including my review and staff roundtable reviews of the Rock Triple H 60-minute Ironman match, and also the final installment of the Lance Storm Torch Talk with his thoughts on various ECW colleagues. The week before that, the May 20th, 2000 issue, issue number 603, features a cover story on Ric Flair's collapse in the ring during Nitro, part three of the Landstorm Torch Talk with his explanation for why he decided to quit ECW, our coverage of ECW Hardcore Heaven, the pay-per-view, and more. And then the week before that, the May 13th issue features a cover story on the changing TV landscape in pro wrestling, with the WBF moving from USA to TNN and a potential shift of ECW. Also, a cover sidebar story on the death of an ECW fan after a hotel party, and WCW slambery coverage. And the week before that, our coverage from the May 6th issue, number 601, of David Arquette winning the WCW title. My Endnotes editorial examining Vince Russell's controversial decision and flippant comments about title belts. Our coverage of WWE Backlash 2000. And more. I could keep going on, but that gives you an idea of what you're missing out on by not being a VIP member. Imagine settling in on the weekend and uh, kicking back and reading wrestling history, not through the lens of WWE filtering it to their benefit, not through people looking back on it through today's lens, but what was said at the time, the week it happened, by some of the voices that you are familiar with here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and PW Torch Daily Casts. So go VIP and relive professional wrestling through the way The Torch covered it in real time with contemporaneous coverage of Pro Wrestling's biggest events, biggest news stories, biggest personalities. I think you'll have a blast. It alone is worth the membership price for so many of our members. Check out details on everything else that comes with the VIP membership, including daily podcasts that are VIP exclusive and shows like this with the ads and plugs removed. Go to pwtorch.com slash govip for full details. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. Prices are as low as eight dollars and twenty-five cents a month on average if you subscribe for a year, or check us out for a month for nine dollars and ninety-nine cents. We're now on Patreon. By popular demand, you can now support us directly through Patreon. Go to patreoncom pwtorchvip. We have three tiers, including an entry level tier one that takes the ads and plugs away. You can have the VIP versions of the Wade Keller Progressing Podcast, Wade Keller Progressing Post Shows. And the PW Torch Daily Cast. That's 14 podcasts per week, but with the ads and plugs edited out. Plus, you get the VIP after shows. Don't be left out anymore from those for just $4.99 at patreon.com/slash PWTorch VIP. We also have a second tier and a third tier where you can upgrade to get other VIP content, including other VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletter the current ones, and 20 years ago version. So go check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at pwtorchdailycast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay per views, he's live right after the pay per view at pwtorchdailycast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Dailycast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts, or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows, or find out more information pwtorchdailycast.com.